Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week's films are Romeo and Juliet and Hardware. Yes, you heard it. Shakespeare and Tools. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols, which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. If, like, we recorded Friday night at the regular time, I could probably have seen Star Wars by then. Uh, okay. I mean, that works for me. I just don't want to prevent you from going to see Star Wars because we got to record, so... That won't happen. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> Star Wars. I think I'm tentatively planning to just leave work early on Friday and go see it. So we'd be recording nice. a few hours after I saw it. <laughs> nice. All right. That works for me. And if you got a delay, just let us know. We can push it back. I got nothing going on on Friday. So. I, I think it's weird that this. I'm. I, I'm kind of getting fucked up with this Star Wars movie because Rogue One was so fucking good. <laughs> now, now I kind of don't want to go back to <laughs> the the mainline continuity stuff. Well, some people didn't like. I don't know Star how excited I am. Well, anybody who didn't like Rogue One is just a bad human being. Oh, I agree. I had I, I had somebody movie. trying to tell me that like it was a like a technically bad movie they're like what was good about it i was like i don't understand a fucking thing you're saying like (laughs) me neither i just don't get it it's pretty i think it's gonna go down in history as a like a work of art you know what i mean because it's fucking amazing yeah it's all about it i just see people like oh rogue one i was like what Number one, never said, never say ugh about a new Star Wars movie. My brother bitches I mean, about everything. He, he's always like, ugh, I bet you liked it because it was so dark. And I was like, it wasn't that dark. Like, <laughs> it, it was dark at the appropriate times. Yeah, I was Not like, dark it's at a, the other times. It was a tragedy. You know what I mean? Like, it didn't have a happy ending. That doesn't make a movie like dark. You know? Yeah. But it's just it's the classic thing where people just have to hate on awesome shit. Is it's like people will complain about the Disneyfication of Star Wars in the same sense that they complain about Rogue One being like have, being too dark, and it's like, well, those are opposite complaints. So go fuck yourself. <laughs> it's I have very little patience for anyone who like it's okay to not be as big a fan of Rogue One as I am, but it's not okay to argue that it's a bad movie because it's just that's just not true. Did did you guys see the news today that supposedly uh, Fox and Disney have come to an agreement? Yeah. Interesting. Yep. 
So glad glad they didn't do that back when the X Men was still like a salvageable universe with all the great actors. <laughs> the, the one thing I'm worried about is uh, God damn it, what's the guy's name? He's like the CEO of uh, Marvel right now. Uh, Ike. Ike? No, 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 no. He's the he's like the czar in charge of the movies. I'm talking about the guy who's actually like all of Marvel. That's a, the like hyper right wing. Is that Ike? Ike something? Maybe. I don't know. But I I know for a fact that he fucking hates the Fantastic Four. And I, th- the one thing I'm excited about in this entire thing is that I might get a good Fantastic Four movie, and not if that guy's anywhere fucking near it. Hmm. Never know. He likes he likes Ben Grimm and the Human Torch, and he thinks that Reed Richards and Sue Richards and their family drama is dumb bullshit, which is you know the entire thing that makes it good. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know. I see the people worried about Deadpool. It sounds like Ryan Reynolds is a little worried about Deadpool. Yeah. Oh, he's got the Pretty Pikachu good. franchise to rely on now, so it's not a problem. <laughs> well, I just feel like after Deadpool made so much money that it seems like they would be stupid to let them to make them change it. I mean, I can completely see Disney going, okay, well, we're going to keep making those, but they got to stay separate. Yeah. yeah. In, in which I think, to be honest, if they want to do this right, they should leave X-Men and all that shit separate. Like, it doesn't, it should just be its own. They should make, like, a separate X-Universe and just treat it that way. Well, yeah, I agree, but... We do need to have Hugh Jackman crossover for just one movie or something. I don't see. I'm one of those just, people. I'm going to say it. Hugh Jackman's too old. He's got to fucking retire. Just bring in a new Wolverine. Nah. I don't give a shit. Like, nah. just one it, movie. Just it, one. It doesn't it, have to be like a franchise. Just, just I just despite, need him hanging out with Captain America during World War II or something. Despite the fact yeah. that he's a really good actor, every one of his Wolverine movies has sucked dick. So I don't exactly have a lot of sympathy for him. Including Logan? Logan's the only passable one, and I, like, it's still... Oh, not, Logan's fantastic. It's not top ten, not not remotely. Superhero movies? Because well, uh, it's barely a superhero movie. I would say, I would say it's the best Fox movie that's come out, but that doesn't, like, fucking say anything. <laughs> like... <laughs> we, we might accidentally produce the second best Fox movie in the middle of this podcast, so... It's really not a huge accomplishment, right? That's what that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, I, and I think that's the problem with the movie is I think that movie looks really good, but I think that movie looks really good through the lens of they've completely fucked up all this other stuff. So whenever you watch it, you go, "Oh, they didn't completely fuck that up. That's pretty good." <laughs> I, I don't agree with that. I, don't agree. I I love Logan. Yeah. As do I. Like I said, I like it. I mean. Uh, I've watched it more than once. I just don't. To me, it's not. That's not echelon. And I mean, uh, even in the the guise of rated R movies, I would still say Deadpool's a better movie than Logan is. It's so difficult to compare those two, but well, it's it's kind of the only remotely close thing I've got because it's you know the the field of rated R 
movies like that are is pretty thin. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I don't like. I don't. Like, I think Logan. There's certainly. I'm glad it was rated R. I, I liked the rated R violence, but it's not what made it a good movie. You could have yeah, scaled yeah. back the violence and it'd still be a great movie. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, I know he Ryan Reynolds is afraid they're going to turn Deadpool into a PG-13 movie. Which I said, then they should just make the movie where he's just annoyed that it's a PG-13 movie the whole time. Yeah, it'd be fucking, it'd be stupid. I mean, now that they understand that that's what people like about that character... Oh yeah, I just. Yeah. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm trying to put a silver lining on it if they do something really stupid. I thought your idea of having Ryan Reynolds do a Deadpool commentary on every Marvel movie was pretty genius. That would be fucking hilarious. I'm sure, that'd yeah, work. would. Or them just George Lucasing in Deadpool randomly into the movies, <laughs> like release a ultra special edition with three seconds of extra footage, and it's just like Ryan Reynolds walking in the background. <laughs> Would you want the Deadpool Howard the Duck commentary track together? Or would you want those guys to record their commentary tracks separately? I don't even care about a commentary track. Now I just want a Deadpool Howard the Duck buddy cop movie. Oh, <laughs> so, I was actually talking to somebody last night after D&D and we were talking about funny stuff and I said, you know what? It should be done, which would be the biggest fuck you to Marvel that's ever been done, I think. Image should sell the rights to a Leonard the Duck movie <laughs> and have it look exactly like Guardians of the Galaxy Howard the Duck but painted green. Yeah. It, it, it would be, yeah, it would be fucking hilarious <laughs> because everybody who knows comic books would get the joke. Yeah, everybody who knows comic books would get the joke. Those of us who pay way too much attention to the movies would pick up on the little fuck you that they're trying to give, <laughs> and then nobody would go see it because no, like no mainstream audience would see that commercial and go, yeah, that seems like a good use of my twelve dollars or fifteen dollars. I mean, it would be really funny if they did the uh, did the trailer and they kept going Howard the Duck, <laughs> Leonard the Duck. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, did everybody watch the Infinity War trailer? Oh no, did that come out? That was my sarcastic voice. I was going to say, come on, Doug. Yeah, I watched, I, it four, it. I watched it 41 times. It's. <laughs> I find it hard to sit down with this rock-hard erection that I've had. <laughs> That's gross. <laughs> yeah. Although I don't like the fact that they show Spider-Man like once... And he's in a new shitty suit, and I don't like it. Like, they finally got him in the right suit, and now they're going to fucking put him in some new stupid suit. Well, they got to put him in a more armored suit if they're going to throw him up against Thanos. Like, he can't go up against Thanos in his normal suit and just get stomped on and squashed in the first 30 seconds of the movie. I mean, Spider-Man in a super suit versus Thanos would still get squashed. Sure, but it would take longer. I... Would it? <laughs> I guess we'll find out in May. I, I'm just saying, in the comic books, Iron Man doesn't do so good, and he's got a super suit. Uh, do we want to be the the eight millionth uh, podcast to try and predict who's going to die in the movie? 
ow, I have no, I don't really care. Uh, well, I know it's not Tony Stark because he's already acknowledged that he signed on for Avengers Four. Yeah. So maybe he dies at the end of that one. But what? Well, so Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Hemsworth are both through Avengers Four, but that doesn't mean they don't die in this one. <laughs> Because they could be in, like, flashbacks and shit. Yeah, well, there is I some guess, talk but... that, I guess, I, I'm not that familiar with the comics, but apparently there's some time travel elements, and it wouldn't be that hard to write a script where people died and came back, and I hope they don't do that. They could do That's... they can do all sorts of bad shit stuff. I mean, yeah. te- technically, they've got two things in the universe right now that can basically rewrite anything. They've got the the Infinity Gauntlet, and then they've got Scarlet Witch, who technically, if they start fucking with her powers, she can do just about anything she wants to fucking do. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't want them doing any of that rewriting history shit. That never ends up well. I don't know. <laughs> I think, I, I think it might be cool if they decided, okay, well, all these actors' contracts are up. Uh, we want to keep making superhero movies, but obviously, this continuity is now going to have issues, and we don't just want to like you know, spot, band-aid, replace characters as we go, because that's stupid. So they could reset everything in continuity to different actors. Which I would be okay with. I think that would be a smart, like, because then technically continuity continues even though it's reset, if that makes sense. Yeah, but it's tricky. Yeah. The likelihood of that working well seems minimal. Hey, none of us believe they could make a good Guardians of the Galaxy movie. <laughs> they made two. I don't know. I, I was scrolling through Facebook as you were talking. I saw somebody that said uh, Guardians of the Galaxy two is nearly unwatchable. What which, in the fuck? To which I replied with lies. That like upsets me. <laughs> it hurts my feelings. <sighs> um. Then uh, right. was that? I'm glad Noah's feelings got hurt. That's that's important to me that that happens at least <laughs> once an episode. Now I don't have to like do it myself. I'm just I'm just saying that that movie like hurts my feelings. Like at the end, <laughs> I, I will say like I was not. Everybody get, goes like nuts about the the funeral scene in that movie, and it did not have a strong impact on me. I like the movie overall. I think it was a very fun watch and all that, but I was not emotionally caught up in the storylines the way I wish I was. I'll, I'll tell you what, it's it's not exactly the funeral that gets me. It's uh, Sean Gunn's reaction shot to it. Because it, I know it's nepotism and the only reason why Sean Gunn's in this movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? But at the sure. same time, he's actually, he's a pretty great fucking actor as far as I've seen. Well, I, I've seen... <laughs> we'll have some comments about I've that. Seen, I've seen a couple of movies with Sean Gunn in them, and uh, I agree that he's a quality actor. Um, maybe we should talk about one of those movies now. <laughs> oh. I'm so, I'm so good at that. That is, people are going to think we pre-scripted that, but I just uh, came up with that right off the top of my head. That's right. So, uh, climb into this pool filled with Vaseline with me. <laughs> Roll around. 
right. Okay, now you're getting ridiculous. So, Noah, why don't you uh, <laughs> tell us what uh, Tromeo and Juliet's all about? Uh, Tromeo and Juliet is, Which is the uh, easiest description ever. Is is Tromeo is uh, Troma's attempt at retelling the classic Shakespeare story with uh, slightly more violence and slightly less incest. Uh, <laughs> and more more fart sounds. Well, yeah, ex- except they're not overwhelming. You know, not like newer trauma where every fucking movement has some stupid fucking sound effect attached to it. But yeah, I mean, that's I. It's it's pretty much Romeo and Juliet with uh, some major differences, like the ending. <laughs> but really, except for the ending, the plot, I could not get over how similar it was to Romeo yeah. and Juliet. Now yeah, I haven't. A little ridiculous. I haven't watched a Romeo and Juliet movie or read the play since high school but like this felt like it was hitting the beats you know there were some like minor modernizations such as instead of biting thumbs at each other they do flip each other off and things like that but it's basically like this is almost closer to the original play than the Leonardo DiCaprio version that came out the same year so yeah. and they made uh, they made Juliet's dad like Way more of a bastard for some reason. <laughs> like it, yeah. they really ramped that up in this. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and and I'll just go ahead and say that that particular plot element I thought was it crossed the line where it was that instead of being that normal trauma, like it, uncomfortable squirmy in your seat, but it makes you laugh. It was just the uncomfortable squirmy Missy. I wish this wasn't happening every time he just continuously tries to have sex with his daughter. Yeah. And I'm just like, I, that shouldn't be happening. And it's just <laughs> not okay. Um, I, I would argue that, that this version captures one thing in the story that a lot of other versions I've seen, including like high school <laughs> adaptations <laughs> and movies and such in which they don't necessarily just, dis- uh, portray Romeo and Juliet as uh, star-crossed lovers so much as stupid horny teenagers that are really into each other. Well, which, yeah. which, if you read the play, I mean, that's what the play's about. It's about two stupid horny teenagers who are really into each other and don't mind like burning the world down around them so that they could get in each other's pants. Oh yeah, and I've always said like the the major flaw in Shakespeare's writing because I feel I'm qualified to criticize Shakespeare is that like the Romeo character is like he's already into some other chick at the beginning of the play and then he just moves on to the next one and it's like if like that priest guy hadn't been encouraging him and he just got separated from Juliet there there would have just been a part two where he fell in love with some other chick and instead in the like in the original play they end up they end up uh you know dead in this version they end up with uh, I, I guess a happier ending. Well, they end up married, which means they're dead on the inside. <laughs> uh, no comment. <laughs> why, why would I bother commenting? I'm so dead inside. <laughs> so, so this is like my fifteenth watch of this movie. 
so I'm going to let you guys talk about it a little bit more. What, what did you guys uh, think overall of this? Because like I said, this falls in firmly into the category of good trauma, which good trauma is a strange term because you're still referring to mostly bad movies. But I think I've mentioned it when we did Surf Nazis, but I am not a fan of trauma whatsoever. I don't know why. I just cannot. Something just doesn't jive with me, and I don't know why. Because I feel like, I mean, the humor is not that far off from, like, Naked Gun movies. And I like Naked Gun movies, but for some reason... It's it's raunchier, but... Yeah, but the trauma sense of humor just, I don't know, just doesn't translate for me. Well, I, th- I think that's perfectly reasonable. I think trauma does, like, okay, so there's good trauma and bad trauma. I think I can yeah. agree with that concept. Bad trauma, I mean, I know there are still fans of it. I, I can't explain why people like that. But I think good trauma is doing a very specific thing. It does it well. Now the question is if that specific thing appeals to you or not. And I find myself being in, kind of walking the line where it's like younger me really enjoyed Toxic Avenger and a couple of other trauma films. And that younger version of me probably would have loved Tromeo and Juliet on that same level. Adult me, I I don't dislike it, but I don't love it either. And I kind of just find myself going like, yeah, I, I see what you're doing here. I acknowledge that it's funny but I'm not laughing out loud while I watch this movie, and these jokes are designed to make me laugh out loud. So I, there's nothing else to the movie. If you don't get right into the jokes and you're not laughing along with each and every one, I mean, you're not going to get caught up in the plot line. This is the most plot-heavy trauma film there is because they just took the plot from something else. But yeah. there, there is no... There's, there's nothing except for the jokes. And if you're not laughing at the jokes, I mean, if... You, it, you could make that same argument with Naked Gun movies. If you watch the first five minutes and you're not laughing at those jokes, turn it off. There's nothing new coming. <laughs> like, you're, you're just going to get an hour and a half of the same thing. Yeah. I, I would say normally I would agree with you, although I think that this particular trauma film has a little bit more to offer somebody than than just the the dick jokes, you know. Well, it, it does have the over-the-top violence that is clearly played for humor as well. Yeah, it does, and, and I think it's it's a pretty decent like uh, uh, satire on how highly Shakespeare's held sometimes. In in which this entire movie is basically like, you know what? We're basically telling the exact same fucking story, you know? <laughs> just, yeah. just in case you weren't paying attention, you know. <laughs> but I'm not sure how much of that is you might be adding the concept of satire to this where it's just a more parody than satire. They're just, let's add all the, all the offensive humor to this well-known play. Well, what's and I mean, a, it's not a coincidence that it came out at a time when a major studio was releasing a film version of that story with like young Hollywood actors in it. Right. Cause this is this the exact same year as the Leonardo DiCaprio Romeo and Juliet, I think it is. That might clearly, be clearly, when Troma decided to make this, they knew that one was going to be in the zeitgeist for everyone to, to know about. 
Yeah, I'll accept that. Although I give, uh, I have a tendency, especially nowadays, to give this one more credit, just because James Gunn has been proven to be a very fucking smart uh, person whenever it comes to his writing of movies. Sure. And uh, and I don't I don't think this is an exception to that. I think that if if you get where he's coming from, he's like a, both a trauma fan and an incredibly smart individual, <laughs> which uh, those do coexist occasionally. Not not rarely. me, obviously, but uh, well, there, are, uh, there are others. Uh, yeah, the, I, the Leonardo DiCaprio version did come out the same year. Yeah, so. I mean, that's what trauma's doing, right? They're yeah. doing their trauma thing, but they're grabbing hold of something that's currently in in the hearts and minds of a lot of people at that time. For people, I don't know how young our listening audience is, but if you were, if you happen to have been in high school in 1996 or whatever it was, like, oh my god, every teenage girl was dragging every teenage boy to see Romeo and Juliet. And it's like, it's when you prayed you had a girlfriend because then you only had to go once. If you were a single guy, you'd end up going like three or four times to impress different chicks and having to sit through that shit. If, <laughs> See, that if was I Titanic right, for me. I, I think there was actually another adaptation of uh, Romeo and Juliet that came out like a year or two before that was more like period version of it. But... Probably, but I'm not sure the period version appeals to the same audience as a trauma film. No, that that teenager audience—that's what trauma's going for—is like you guys. You guys think you like that story, eh? Well, look what we can do to it. <laughs> and look, it's a giant monster penis. Yeah, that's right. Another penis movie. <laughs> <laughs> Every damn week. Um, but I mean, I, I do I'm think trauma. Make it my life's goal to work in a penis every fucking episode. <laughs> I do, that's I do why, think, that's why you uh, don't get to pick movies no more. This, this is me changing the subject. I do think Troma deserves <laughs> some credit because I do think there are like a number of good elements to this film, starting with, I think, the gore. There's a, a few kills that are really fun to watch. Um, I can't think of the examples, but there's just guys like that get smacked in the head with things that are sticking in the side of their head and they're walking around with them for a while and stuff like that, which is, it's very trauma humor, but it is done well. Um, I do think Sean Gunn's performance is quite strong. I'm not sure exactly what he's going for in the role, but I think he stands out as like a comedic, a strong comedic performance within the movie. Um, and I had forgotten James Gunn was involved. So I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> it took me a second to process it, the whole thing, because I'm watching it on like YouTube. So then I'm like, gotta go get get like the phone or something so I can look up IMDb at the same time as I'm watching this movie, because <laughs> I need to know what the fuck he's doing in this movie. You, you mean menacing incest brother? Yeah, yeah, that's who I mean. Is that his? <laughs> I didn't stay for the credits. Is that what he's called? No, I can't remember what his character's name is. No, I I only remember the names of Tromeo and Juliet. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Trauma traumas doesn't connect with me, and I don't know why. Funny though that every time Juliet's dad kept asking for his bow, they give him musical instruments instead. <laughs> He's like, no, not the bow for my cello, my crossbow. <laughs> Not my oboe. <laughs> See, that was a fun running joke that I think it kind of gets buried 
in all the yeah. traumaness of this film, but it is actually a fun joke. It does keep coming up. I did laugh out loud. I mean, because we gloss right over the fact that he keeps asking for a crossbow. Like, that's just normal. <laughs> <laughs> Keeping in mind, this movie is set in 1990s Manhattan. Probably not that many crossbows being floated around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, one of the funny right. things that I did read was, I guess, uh, James Gunn found it too tedious to write this in iambic pentameter. He just told Lloyd Kaufman that it was, and Lloyd didn't know the difference, so he was just like, okay, good. <laughs> That's fucking off. Well, I noticed they were slipping in and out of it, because I don't, yeah. like, I wouldn't know iambic pentameter off the top of my head, or even if I pronounced that right, but I... I kind of recognized it a couple of times as coming up as being like, Oh yeah, that sounds like Shakespeare to me. And yeah. then all of a sudden it would just be not anymore. I'm like, <laughs> Okay. And I just figured that was the way they wrote it. I'm just yeah. there. I think there are a bunch of moments in this movie that are like worthy of some kind of award, like what <laughs> light through yonder plexiglass breaks. See, I remember that, that that joke was specifically one that fell flat on me. I'm just like, really? That feels forced. Oh, no, that was awesome. And the uh, the priest being like, I too know the sting of <laughs> loving someone you can't be with. And it has the flash of him on the playground with the little kid. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> uh. Pedophile priest jokes. They never get old. Yeah. I just wish more of them were jokes and less of them were just stories. Oh. Um, so apparently, uh, you know, Debbie Rashawn plays Juliet's nurse slash nanny. Slash lesbian lover? Yes. Okay. And apparently she's actually a year younger than the the, the woman who played Juliet. Nah. Well, they, they seem... I think that probably is intentional because oh yeah to when you do it's okay you do your little pedophile joke with the priest and the little kid but when they start actually having scenes that are as as graphic as those two have together you want to make sure that they look the same age even if they our characters are not meant to be the same age uh and also james gunn got paid 150 dollars for writing the screenplay for this movie all at, all at once, or did he? Does he have to residuals on that? Or? It's probably like, like still paying him. Yeah, it's t- twenty bucks more than those guys got for Superman. So that's true. I dare say that this film is gross less than Superman did over his career. I haven't run the numbers. I don't. Not that. Not for sure, but I think it's close. I know this one's for free on YouTube, and Superman stuff gets taken down pretty quickly. So. The Amazon Prime version is much clearer in case people want to watch this at home. Okay. Take your, it, take it, your word for that. It, it, it's free with Prime, so if you have an Amazon account. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, yeah, I pretty much got nothing to say. I just was not really a big, giant fan of this movie. As I said, though, I'm not a trauma fan, so this Amazing. is definitely not geared towards me. It makes me sad. Usually this is one that even if people don't like trauma, they usually end up at least enjoying it. Yeah, I'd, like I'd say that's where I am, is I'm like, I'm not the biggest trauma fan, but this, if I was going to watch a trauma film, Toxic Avenger or this one, maybe Sergeant Kabuki Man, if I 
remembering it properly. Like those are the ones that I would go back to watch again if I had to. Yeah. Sergeant Kabuki Man is is awesome in a completely different way than the rest of Trauma. We should we, we might have to do that one eventually. I don't think Brian will enjoy it. That's just my I will, guess. I will watch it. I don't, I I don't know because it. it's not it's not as trauma y. It's it's more like it's just batshit crazy. So trauma was like, <laughs> and Lloyd was like, I like Japanese stuff. Let's see if that's all it takes for him. Well, appara- apparently, apparently Lloyd Kaufman's got like a degree in like Asian studies or something like that, and he's really, really, really into Asian culture, and so it's very easy to talk him into anything that has to do with it. So when versus movies were big, why did they not ever do uh, Sergeant Kabuki Man versus the Toxic Avenger? Well, there's a bunch of weirdness about that because they always joke about the fact that Kabuki Man never even got like a fucking sequel, Mm -hmm. even though it's one of the more popular trauma things. So in like, uh, especially in the later movies where Sergeant Kabuki Man starts showing up as cameos and stuff, they always portray him as like being a broken down alcoholic with no job. Like his his life is completely falling apart because nobody took him seriously as Kabuki Man. Hmm. Yeah, that's weird. I feel like yeah, like in Toxic Avenger Four, I believe like there is like an interaction between the two characters. Doesn't Toxie swim across the entire ocean or something ridiculous and show up in Japan? And Kabuki Man's that's there. that's that's in two. Oh, sorry. <laughs> my, How dare you get your documentary? That's <laughs> my mythology. That's, is, that's it. That's in two, and I think there might be like a, a like a Kabuki Man like background cameo thing, but in Citizen Toxie, which is four, Kabuki Man is in it. Right. Okay. Yeah. See now, to be fair, I've only seen. Toxic Avengers 2, 3, and 4 once, and that was all on the same day. So you can understand how I'd get them all mixed up. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a, that's understandable. Yeah. Well, anything else you want to say about this, Noah? Uh, I think this is a recommend. Like, if, if I had to come up with a list of five trauma movies that everybody should see, this would definitely be on. Yeah, and I would agree with that. If, if you're going to watch Trauma, I would say that this is one of the better ones. I still, like, I I completely understand that Trauma is not for everybody. Um, and I think it's not unreasonable for somebody to just say, that's not me, I'm not that audience. I mean, it's a pretty limited number of people who really do like Trauma. Uh, probably a lot of them listening to this podcast. But in the real world, not that many people are going to enjoy a Trauma film. So... Uh, which we didn't even mention what connects this film with the next film. <coughs> Hold on. I, I would like to say one thing. If you're into sleaze, like, this may be the sleaziest trauma movie. I, I have a hard time thinking of another one that goes more over the top with, like, uh, just weird sex stuff and and gore and incest and just you know going berserkly over every line they can find this was definitely a a, this felt like trauma meets grindhouse to a certain extent where it is kind of like there is some of the stuff that's just being thrown at you that you would see in an old grindhouse film such as like the random insertion of like 
the lesbian relationship between Juliet and her nurse that is not really relevant plot-wise and doesn't matter, but they just wanted those scenes, so they just did it. And I think, you know, for Grindhouse fans, too, then this might be the kind of trauma film that you can get into. Yeah. And for the sake of personal flashback, Brian... Uh, didn't what? Romeo's first girlfriend look a lot like old Leatherback from the strip club in Peoria? Oh. How are you going to bring those memories back up? <laughs> am, am I wrong, though? I'm no. pretty sure that was her. <laughs> Could have been. She has not aged well. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Now, is that the... Are you, are you comparing her to the... To the old stripper or the one giving massages, quote unquote. No, the the old stripper that was just like walking around with her giant tits out with the horrible tan, leathery okay. skin. Yeah, okay. this, this doesn't seem like a conversation that needs to take place on the podcast. Yes, yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just couldn't remember which one we called Leatherback because the one giving massages was not. I don't know. I don't know if we ever came up with a name for the Crypt Keeper blonde chick giving the massages because we were all obsessed with the fact that the guy she was massaging the entire time looked like Gary Gygax. So now getting back to the plot of the movie. <laughs> we might as well throw the question out there. What did you guys think of the, the twist ending where they veered from the original play and just decided, I mean, full spoilers, I guess. Um, yeah. They just decided to reveal that Romeo and Juliet were actually brother and sister, and the two of them kind of looked in the camera, shrugged, and got married anyway. <laughs> they were like, fuck it. <laughs> and we just went on to have a bunch of kids that look like they belong in a Trump movie. Yeah, horrible mutant babies. Because I gotta admit, like, as far as like the the various incest jokes, though, that was my favorite one in the whole movie. <laughs> fuck it. I mean, I, I totally saw the twist coming, and I'm just like, oh, but it's a trauma movie, so instead of them being disgusted by it, they're just going to move forward. That makes sense. That's, that's consistent with everything else I've seen here. I love how you said of all the incest jokes in the movie, that was your favorite one. Well, because I already said I didn't like though the whole incest plot line with the dad and the daughter. I made me uncomfortable, and I didn't enjoy it. This one I could get behind because it was more of a, like just a one-off joke. And... That means there were multiple in contention, which is hilarious. It's a trauma film. <laughs> Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Okay. I dropped out there for a second, I think. Probably. Doug just talking about all his favorite incest jokes in this movie. Yeah, there were a lot of incest jokes. <laughs> <laughs> I do I, I do love the beginning where he's like, you know, everything's going crazy. We can do whatever the fuck we want. All we got to do is mix in some incest. This <laughs> be awesome. Good lord. Uh, now, as I mentioned, we forgot to bring up what connects this movie with the next movie. Uh, appearances by God. God himself. <laughs> who's played That's by... Really... Who's played by Lemmy in his earthly domain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I did like that Lemmy was taking his role so seriously in this movie. Like he was, he's basically a narrator and he's just he's taking it so I don't know he's just like he's delivering it like he's in a real movie but he's not he's in this movie <laughs> yeah it was a little disarming like when the movie starts and there's Lemmy and I'm like oh okay well there he is 
this ought to be fun. And then he just does a straight, like, super serious, like, intro to the movie. I was like, oh, wait. Is, is it fucked up by, by, the, by the end of it? You're kind of like, man, I really wish they had made, like, audio CDs with Lenny reading Shakespeare. <laughs> oh, my God. That'd be amazing. <laughs> oh, the things we never knew we wanted until it was too late. We keep finding ways to make this podcast sad. Yeah. No. Um, all right. Anything else before we move on to the next film? No, that's it. If you like Sleaze, watch it. All right. That's, that's it. That's all I got. Doug, do you want to synopsize hardware? Uh, sure. I mean, there's not much of a plot to it. Um, basically, futuristic world, some kind of war going on, lots of destruction. The, uh, these guys are all out collecting stuff, sort of like uh, sort of like the girl at the beginning of Force Awakens. They're just kind of scavenging and bringing the stuff back in to sell. And uh, scavengers, if you will. Yeah. So they, one of this weird cloaked guy, he goes out a little further than everybody else, comes back with a robot. These other guys basically uh, intersect him so he can't sell the robot to uh, the junk dealer, take the robot head back to the uh, one guy's girlfriend's house. She's an artist, so she's going to make something fancy using the robot head. She does the robot head comes back to life and spends the rest of the movie chasing her around the apartment. Uh, kind of the end. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, the, the movie is way more about the world that it takes place in than about the plot of what's actually happening. Um, it spends most of its time just following these characters as they wander from place to place. and We see the fucked up I don't know if it's supposed to be post-apocalyptic world that kind they of. live in. Uh, kind of, yeah. um, On IMDb, it says a nuclear war has transformed the Earth into a radioactive wasteland. Well, there you go. And the, the big, if you notice in the background, they keep talking about overpopulation, and yeah, and there's there's actually like a bunch of reasons for that. I know way too much about this movie. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so. So originally, there were supposed to be two movies, right? So this was supposed to introduce what the Mark 13 is, that the, the killer psycho robot that's, right. for the most part, indestructible. The second movie was supposed to be more like a Western set outside the, uh, you know, because they're basically living in the ramshackle shit city. Right. And if you go out into the ramshackle shit suburbs... It's like Old West out there, and it was supposed to be like a large-scale war of these Mark 13s versus the surviving population trying to survive. Okay. So this movie was supposed to set up the next, which is why there's so much world-building done in it. Yeah, and I mean, this was not an unpopular trend in the 80s and 90s to have world world-building be the primary purpose of a movie. I mean... You could argue that even like Blade Runner, that's, that's what that movie is. I mean, it's light on plot and heavy on world building. It's had a slightly bigger budget than this one, so their world is a little bigger. But uh, this 
this movie is to to my mind it, it's built the same way. I mean, it's I mean, you could argue that it's the last 15 minutes of Terminator stretched out into a whole movie so that they have an excuse to walk around this world, right? We could also argue that the last 40 minutes of this movie are just the last 15 minutes of this movie stretched out. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Uh, or, so originally, whenever they did this, there were, this this movie was supposed to be pretty different. So the Mark 13 was supposed to be all like stop motion animation stuff so it could have way more weapons and way more crazy shit going on. Uh, it was supposed to have way, way more gore, which they ended up not shooting all the gore. And then some of the gore that they did shoot, they ended up cutting from the movie because they ended up getting a uh, 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 NC-17 rating or something. And a bunch of countries were like, we're not taking that movie. And they were like, God damn it, fine, we'll cut it down. <laughs> and uh, the original casting was supposed to be Bill Paxton in the main role and Jeffrey Combs as Shades. Which, speaking yeah. of things that could have fucking been, that would have right. been awesome. Uh, yeah, so Paxton went on to do Navy SEALs instead. So, <laughs> thanks, Hollywood. Well, from a box office perspective, I'd say he probably made the right choice. <laughs> he was trying to become mainstream. That might have been... Uh... The cab boat driver, played by Lemmy, was originally supposed to be Sinead O'Connor, but she couldn't do it due to conflicting uh, scheduling stuff. Which, right. that's, that's fucking random. There's a bunch of weird music connections to this. So the, the drifter guy at the beginning of the movie, if you were really into goth metal, you would recognize that person. <laughs> Because he's, uh, I think his name's Carl McCoy, and he's from a band called Fields of the Nephilim. And his his scavenger character in the movie is actually from Fields of the Nephilim music videos. They were supposed to, like, interconnect into the movie. And originally, Fields of the Nephilim was supposed to do the soundtrack for the movie. And the studio told them no, because that didn't have enough mass appeal. So they just ended up cramming a bunch of random fucking metal bands in it, which that has a lot more fucking to the general audience. So, like, is it safe to assume then that Richard Stanley is the director of all those music videos in question? Yes, he is. He's building his own world, but it only exists in his head because he's kind of an insane person. That's that's pretty accurate. All right, yeah. I mean, like, I don't know if you guys ever watched that documentary about the time he tried to make a an Island of Doctor Moreau movie, but oh no, is that what that documentary is about? Yeah, he so he tried. He was based on the the strength of this and his follow up. He was given Island of Doctor Moreau to make, and it led to insane shit, such as him living in like a jungle, and he was after he'd been kicked off the movie, like stole a costume and snuck back on set so he's like actually an extra in a movie that he was originally the director of before he got fired and yeah he, he's a pretty wacky out there kind of guy um so i can imagine that here where he was probably had a, a little more artistic freedom because this was a smaller budget film he probably thought he was building like a giant universe and they're like no you're making an action movie about a robot that tries to kill people so please just do that and we'll try to give you a marketable guy to be the cameo as the cab driver but other than that just 
just make the robot try to kill people. What are you like? What are you doing? <laughs> sorry, sorry, and I cut off your uh, your plot synopsis there. No, there is no plot synopsis because there's no plot. It's fine. <laughs> what? There's completely a plot. <laughs> well, okay. So if you if you can, if you count exposition as plot, then in the background there's a story about how the government is implementing various. Um, like controls on population and the implication is that this robot is essentially the ultimate control on population because it's just going to roam around certain areas and kill people and since it's virtually indestructible because it repairs itself kind of like the nanobots on uh, in Jason X so if, you know even if you destroy one just the head laying there can attach itself to other metal and kind of rebuild itself a new body. Um, that would basically be, it makes it unstoppable if you had an army of these. And the big reveal at the end of the movie after they destroy this one is that they're going into mass production with these Mark 13s. But all of that is just told to us in the background, mostly through radio clips that play. <laughs> radio clips of Crazy Dave! Yeah, crazy Dave. Who is, who is Iggy so, Pop? <laughs> Another music so, Well, first yeah. of all, his name is Angry Bob. So, oh yeah, Angry you. Bob. Fuck you, saying you know everything about this movie, Noah. Come on, calm down. I'm just kidding. So everybody, calm down. Look, there's too much fighting going. I love on. you, Brian. But, all right, too far. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. You're just um, okay. <laughs> Anyways, my point is that none of that is plot. That is exposition that happens in the background. The plot is they bring a robot head to this girl's apartment. It comes to life and tries to kill her, and she spends the rest of the movie fighting it. Yeah, and, well, and there there not... is there is like a weird voyeur who watches her. <laughs> so let's from not forget a the weird plot point, the plot line that was just thrown in of him. Yeah, the weird guy that lives across the street that's just like, looking at our inner window all the time. Uh, he, he like comes over and introduces okay, himself as a way to try to get into the fucking apartment and open the blinds, and then he just gets taken out. So there's your body count for the movie. Was that Porkins? Yeah, that's Porkins from Star Wars. Oh, crazy. And apparently all of that uh, disturbing shit that he says whenever he's watching her through the telescope, the, yeah, yeah, you take that dick, I'm gonna eat popcorn out of your ass, <laughs> all that. Yeah. Improvised. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's like the rumor, or the fact, or whatever. But after watching this movie and seeing uh, Harvey Weinstein's name pop up as a producer in this, I was just convinced that Harvey Weinstein's like, I got some great ideas, which is why this voyeur was just thrown into this movie with no real point. So he's like, I got some great ideas. Here you go. And like wrote all this shit out. Uh, uh, and jerked off into a potted plant, assumedly. Apparently his death scene in the original script was one of the things that was supposed to be like way fucking worse. Like the robot was supposed to literally like shoot him in the balls and then tear him up, and then slowly start slicing him apart so that he'll, like, stay alive and scream to try to draw her in so he can get her, too. Yeah. See, that sounds really cool, but it doesn't sound like something you can really pull off with 1990 technology. Yeah. Not not on a smaller budget, not have it look good, so... 
Did anybody else also think that uh, Dylan McDermott stole uh, Ash's robot hand from Army of Darkness? He really did. Yeah. yeah. Even though I think Army of Darkness was after this, but... Oh, it was by two years, but I'm still saying he stole it from Ash. Yeah, I mean, they must have. there must have been some, like, prototype art out there or something. Because it looked a lot the same. <laughs> So, so it is a killer robot movie, which means only one thing is really important. How killer fucking robot. cool is the killer robot? Because my argument is one of the coolest killer robots. He's pretty good. Uh, I'm not a big fan of sort of like the tank body. It's more of a, a special effect limitations they had. You know what the funny uh, thing is? I think that's actually one of the things I like the most about it. Yeah, because it's not humanoid. I feel like sure. like killer robots always end up being really human shaped, mm-hmm. but they're robots. Uh, not they chopping maw, fucking human shaped. Sure. No, okay, but but cho- put chopping maw aside. Cause it's not fair to compare this movie to a masterpiece like that. <laughs> but th- this robot is pretty, this robot is pretty badass, and the fact that it can repair itself. Yeah, it's really more of a conceptual concept because we only see it do it like the once, but it's really a neat idea. The idea that this thing can get blown all the shit. And then not only does it not die the way the Terminator would not die, but it actually rebuilds itself a new body out of whatever it finds around. I love that idea. Yeah. And I, I like the fact that it's got like shit tons of weapons. You know what I mean? Like this thing's just like a meat grinder. Yeah, it's got like the razor hand and then like the the saw blade and whatever that drill bit looking thing was, which yeah. I guess you could just say was the drill bit. Well, one would assume that in the sequel, there would have been a whole bunch of different robots too, right? Because they all would have been destroyed and rebuilt themselves in different ways. And I have to admit, I, I want to see what that would look like. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. I mean, if if you have to list killer robots in order, like number one is obviously Chopping Mall. Yes, and, and number That's two is is the Evolver, and then <laughs> number three is Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> we might we might have some debate after number one, but we'll hold off. <laughs> four, four is 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 clearly this thing. Which, Mark 13, I guess, is what we should call it. And then after that, somewhere is Death Machine. <laughs> the Mangler's not on the list? It's not really a cool killer robot, is it? I guess it's not a robot. It's more, it's more a... like a haunted uh, folding machine. Yeah. Fair <laughs> enough. I almost said Johnny Five, but he doesn't He doesn't kill anybody, so... Johnny number five? He killed the... Uh, he killed the... Was it a cricket or a grasshopper? <laughs> I mean, he was really upset about it afterwards. But yeah, I don't know. Killed Gutenberg's career, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So this is the first time I was watching this movie, and uh, I gotta say, I really enjoyed it, which I was not expecting to because Noah chose it. <laughs> I, I always bat fifty percent. You should have known. That's one of these two. It's going to be good. Uh, uh, was this the first time watched for you, Doug? 
Yeah, it was a first time watch for me as well. It's been on my to watch list for a long time, and I had seen some of the the visuals before, which is what got it on my to watch list. Um, and yeah, I I'm with you. I think I enjoyed it quite a bit. I think it's the coolness of the robot and just watching it fight this girl in this apartment is fun enough for me <laughs> that I, I don't need a deeper plot. I don't like I, I'm being dismissive of all the other stuff, and I, like, I agree all the nonsense and the background on the radio. I don't care about any of that because it is part of a bigger world that we never see. So who cares if there's population control because we're never going to meet any of the people that are being controlled. But the visuals were cool. The world they set up was pretty cool. I liked this kind of part modern, but part kind of because it had been sort of destroyed. It was also kind of like also a bit of a throwback world. I liked these kind of guys going off into the war zone to, to gather up these parts and scavenging and all that. I thought that was a neat element, even though plot-wise not terribly relevant. Um, Dylan McDermott hanged out with Bertle Cut from uh, Willow. <laughs> I know, I was just like, ah, it's that dude from Willow that gets shit on by the birds. <laughs> I also love that this movie does like what a lot of movies from the 80s did, which is you have a character, you put sunglasses on him, and then you name him Shades. Like, as if he's the only character in the movie that owns sunglasses for some reason. <laughs> like, almost everybody I know owns a pair of sunglasses, but for some reason, in every 80s movie, there's just one guy that they call Shades, and he's just got his on all the time. So, so once again, they kind of uh, uh, let the original script down. Apparently, in, in the original version of the movie, you're supposed to find out more about Shades. And uh, at the beginning of the movie, they mention Mo being like a veteran of space wars, kind of. Yeah. And the whole thing is that uh, Shades is supposed to also have been some kind of a space jockey who spent his like last 15 years uh, working on satellites in space in the dark. And he's got post-traumatic stress disorder and he like wears the shades all the time because he can't handle how bright everything seems now that he's back home. Yeah. I just thought it was a sunny day when they were filming the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying. They, they cut. It. That's the problem. Yeah, it turns into just a dude wearing sunglasses instead of like a character that, from the original description, actually sounds really fucking interesting. You know? Yeah, and I think the problem here is that they don't. I mean, there aren't really characters in this movie. These none of these people are developed enough for me to give a shit. Um, but they're there to get to fight a robot, and that's cool. So it's fun to watch, but. I I feel like maybe somebody needs to take a director like this and say, okay, you're you're doing real good with the visuals. Let's have somebody else work on that script a bit (laughs) and let's have him like make a story out of this world that you're, that you're building and you be in charge of making it look cool. Um, But he uh, like this Richard Stanley guy isn't going to allow that to happen. So it's the, the film probably could have been something great as it turns out. It's something good. It's something that's fun to watch, but I, I I do like how in a movie with an indestructible murder bot on the loose in this apartment, they managed to make a malfunctioning door seem threatening. <laughs> <laughs> I from that description you tell people like, oh well, this killer robot's chasing this chick around her apartment. Like that sounds really boring and dumb. 
But they actually did a really good job of actually making that work really well. Oh, I agree, yeah. And like you said, <laughs> a malfunctioning door, like, actually have some tension to it, which was done really well. Yeah, and there were some, I thought, some clever moments, like when she figured out that the robot was using infrared, so she, like, climbed in her fridge. Hmm. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that makes sense to me, that that's something you would do, and that it's 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 not, like, ridiculous that a person would think to do that, but it's also not a dumb plot point. It's something that's kind of intelligent for them to be doing in the moment, and little things like that that I thought worked well. Yeah. It's just I don't know that we need an entire movie that's just this robot chasing a girl around an apartment. So, so what did you guys think of the the fake-out ending that lasted one-third of the movie? <laughs> yeah, I remember checking the time and being like, wait, there's still like half an hour left? <laughs> I, um, love the, I love the fact that they keep doing it over and over and over and over and over. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was a little whatever, but yeah. And I think there's like some stuff that's just stretched out way too long, but I don't know. I'll let it go for this movie, I guess. But usually that stuff like just completely turns me off to a movie. <laughs> uh, apparently if you watch in like the, the final bit where, um, the, the chick character is beating it with the baseball bat. Well, yeah. If if you watch the bat snaps at one point when she hits it, yeah, that was not a prop bat. She broke that bat because she was swinging at that thing so hard. <laughs> yeah, I read that too, and I was looking for it. I'm like, oh shit, look at that. Yep, You're she like, busted fucking, that bat. He's a fucking beast. <laughs> now I know not to fuck with that chick, right? <laughs> I just love. They're like, let's. Let's electrocute it. That didn't work. Throw it out a window. Didn't work. Blow it up. Didn't work. <laughs> Let's beat it with a baseball bat and put it in the shower. <laughs> beat it with a baseball bat with it's in the shower. Oh, shit. Surprised how many things that would kill. <laughs> right. I do, I do think that thing's not dead, though. It's like it, it, whatever you do with that head, it's going to like figure out a way to rebuild itself. All they've done is like slowed it down. No, most likely. Um, but on on a scale of uh, of Evolver to Terminator, <laughs> where does this killer robot go on your list? Uh, about Terminator Three. Ooh, T three is pretty <laughs> low on the list. That's that's rough, son. See, I'm actually I, I'm a defender of Terminator Three. That's how ridiculous a person I am. <laughs> so I'm uh I'm usually I'm usually with the uh oh, come on Terminator 3 wasn't as bad as you think it is so yeah, yeah I'm with you after they made Terminator 4 you're like oh yeah Terminator 3 was alright <laughs> and then just in case you weren't sure they made one more but hey guys look look in Terminator 3 they actually tried unlike Terminator 4 come on guys hey, see I'd, I'd put it a couple, couple steps below Terminator, a couple steps above Death Machine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this, this movie is no Terminator. That's not, I mean, that's not a fair comparison, though. Terminator's a pretty high bar to try to accomplish. Yeah, yeah but, but it's Killer kill Robot, direct comparison. Yeah. 
Well, if he, enough, had, but... if he would have had Terminator money to make this, maybe we could talk. Yeah, I, I do think if you had Terminator money to make this, Terminator special effects, I mean, not that the, this movie doesn't look cool, but there are moments where you can tell that, hey, they're working around their budget and working around their effects. Um, but yeah, I don't know how to rank it based on your weird made-up scale that you know, <laughs> till now. Have, have, you, have you ever seen Evolver? No. No. And we're not you, watching it. You've you've seen Chopping Mall, right? Of course. It, it's the come bad on, one. Noah. <laughs> God damn it! How dare you? Be smirch the good name of Chopping Mall to insinuate that we have no. not seen it. Chop, let alone did a commentary for it on our last podcast. I'm just saying, like <laughs> Evolver and Chopping Mall were cut from the same cloth, and Evolver was all the little scraps that <laughs> fell in the toilet while they were making <laughs> Chopping Mall. Lisa's no deadly friend. Deadly friend is one of the best head explosions in history. <laughs> Mama Fudeli had it coming. Yes, you, you guys talk about whatever you want. I'm just going to find that gif and watch it over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> Stop stealing my my stuff! <laughs> I post the weird gifts around here. <laughs> he I was not going to share it with you guys. He doesn't have a job, yeah, Doug. Just let, let him have this. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'd say high recommend for me. Yeah, First high, time watch highest highest of recommends. I I fucking love this movie. Yeah, I, I think you guys might be overselling it a bit. I do think people, if, if you're into this kind of post-apocalyptic, violent movie, this is pretty cool. Uh, I don't know, when you start saying highest of recommends. You're, you're I didn't say highest, I just said high recommend. Yeah. Downer, Doug. So, I, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to be all positive and shit here. Yeah, the, the movie looks cool. The robot's awesome. The world they set up is pretty good. It's a little bit underdeveloped, but... I'd I'd say the acting's actually really good. Yeah, uh, better than I expected going into this because you know I wasn't expecting a lot from a low budget movie from 1990, right? Like it, if 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 you're into the same type of music that I am, it's got a pretty good soundtrack. I thought, you know what? More important than it having a good soundtrack, it has a soundtrack that works in the context of the film. Yeah. So. Uh, I will say that there is one really fucking confusing part of this movie where she's spray painting the robot and she puts on a music video. The music video is clearly a guar music video, but yes. the music playing is ministry. I, who the fuck made that decision to go, freeze this band's music video. We're going to play this other band's music because they look cool, but we hate their music. Do your research into Richard Stanley, man. The guy's messed up. Yeah, now I want to go watch that documentary. I didn't realize it was the same director. Um, oh, again, we forgot to mention what leaked this the previous movie. That's uh, the plays. Uh, no, uh, Lemmy plays a, uh, a boat taxi driver. Um. And proceeds to pick up Don McDermott and Shades, and then uh, proceeds to tell them how good Motorhead is. <laughs> right. <laughs> now, and this is more what you expect when Lemmy's in a movie. This is just Lemmy doing a fun little cameo in a film. Yeah. 
So, and, and it's like, yeah, all right, I can get behind that. I, I was not nearly as caught off guard as it was in the last movie. <laughs> when when they started shooting, they really wanted like Lemmy's character in the uh, the cab to be batshit crazy. So they bought him a brand new uh, nickel plated. Uh, handgun. I'm trying to remember what it's called. It's one of the ones that's like fucking huge. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so they, a real one, they bought it for him and got him a bottle of whiskey. And I guess the very first day of shooting, he drank the whiskey, got drunk and dropped the, the gun in the water and they couldn't get it back out. <laughs> yeah. I, that's, I, what I, that's what I expect. Yeah. You know, when, when you started that story, you said they wanted the character to be batshit crazy. I thought you were just going to finish with, so they hired Lemmy. <laughs> in a way, you did. <laughs> uh, yeah. Ah, fucking Lemmy. That's funny. Uh, anything else for we move on? Uh, no. This movie's awesome. Don't listen to Doug. <laughs> I awesome. said people should fucking watch it. Yeah, but you gave it like a tepid recommend. <laughs> You gave it an Evolver. How dare you, Doug? <laughs> How dare you put it on the Evolver end of the scale? <laughs> Nobody except you two fucking idiots knows what Evolver is. I don't know what it is either. I've just accepted this this, this killer robot grading scale. I don't right. accept it. Does anybody need a break before before we move on? Part of me hopes no, it takes one, but. <laughs> you guys are mean. We're not mean. We're just giving you shit. It's all right. Yeah, we got to be careful what we do. We chased away one co-host with this shit. True. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's why Scott decided to stop doing the show. You okay, Noah? Yes. All right, we just got to check in because, like, legitimately, like, <laughs> Scott, like, got really mad at us for making fun of him all the time. Yeah, that happened a lot. We probably should have learned some kind of lesson from it. <laughs> but we're just like, nope, on to somebody else who could probably all take right. it better. Look, look at the messenger. Look at it. <laughs> that uh, is a revolver. <laughs> that does look like a chopping mall robot. Oh, my God, it's so bad. Oh, yeah, that's like the Sci-Fi Channel version of Chopping Mall. <laughs> Which is weird, because I thought Chopping Mall is the Sci-Fi Channel version of Chopping Mall. Chopping Mall is a glorious masterpiece of filmmaking. Hey, I own it on Blu-ray. I understand. I own it on Blu-ray. And you know how hard, hard it was for me to find on Blu-ray? <laughs> I just ordered it off Amazon. It was pretty easy. I have, like, a midnight Chopping Mall party. Let's do it. Just eat, eat mall food. Just eat, like, corn dogs and fucking... <laughs> We should show it in a mall. It has to. It has to be pizza that you eat. True, greasy pizza with but you're allowed to put butter on it if you want. <laughs> what? <laughs> you're a son of a bitch, Brian. Let's continue on. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MN Drive-In Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling.
well, well. It's been a little while. It's been a little while. I think the last feedback I left or voicemail was when the last horror cast was still going on. So this is Jeff out in California. Wanted to leave you guys a little bit of listener mail, you know. Hopefully I'll keep it short enough that you can play it on the show. But, man, I'm loving what you guys are doing. It's great. Brian, Doug, Noah, you're consistently hitting it out of the park with each episode of the Midnight Drive-In. This last episode has probably finally pushed me to where I'm just going to buy a copy of Street Trash. I've heard numerous people talk about it. I know it's probably not the best movie, but it's one of those that I just feel it's so obscure that if I have it on my shelf, it would be a talking point with some people. Or they'd come over and be like, what's this movie Street Trash? And we're like, well, this is where we're going to find out if we're going to be friends or if you're just going to walk out and we never speak again. Probably a good way to determine who I should have in my life. But uh, anyway, yeah, guys, you've been great episodes of The Wizard and Little Monsters. Made me want to go back and watch both movies. But you guys have had so many great episodes. But I wanted to ask a quick question to Noah and Brian, and I'm not sure if Doug has seen Justice League yet. I haven't seen it. It's not a movie I'm going to go see in the theater. But I heard Brian and Noah complaining about the Flash's suit. I, I hate it just from the trailers and what I've seen in TV spots and images. I it, It's shit. Now, I want to know... Would you guys think it would have been better had they had a different suit for the Flash to start? Maybe something a little more traditional or something along the lines of what the TV show has, like a friction, fighting, you know, heat resistant, whatever they described it as. You know what I'm getting at. And then maybe somehow he got the suit later because somebody one of the other members of the league maybe figured out a way to give him something that was more battle-ready, the armor-wise. Because to me, it just looked shit. And then when you say there's little bungee cords holding it together, I guess that's a spoiler, but probably not. Ugh, it just... Ugh. Plus, I don't even like the actor playing The Flash. I've never seen him in anything, but just his little bits that I've seen in the trailers, I'm like, you're annoying. Give me Grant Gustin as a Flash any day. But basically, I'm leaving this just to tell you guys you're doing a great job. I'm stroking your egos. Don't take that the wrong way. You just just let's not go there. I started to. Let's not go there. Um, you guys are great. You're consistent. And I love the fact that Noah seems to make you guys cringe at least once an episode with something that he brings up that is completely random and obscure. It is fucking great. All right, well, I'm going to end it here, guys. Maybe I'll leave you some feedback again soon. You never know. Later. Good old Jeff sent in a little voicemail for us. That was this show, which is a correct statement. And then proceeds and, to say uh, that he is going to ignore all of our recommendations against Street Trash and buy it, despite the fact that we all said <laughs> not to. So he, he calls in to claim he likes the show, proceeds to say he's ignoring our review of the movie, and then compliments on our consistency <laughs> the only time we've missed a week. He's like, by the way, I love your consistency that was on the hilarious. week that you're not 
<laughs> yeah, Doug, Doug had the sniffles last week, and my workload was stupid because I had two coworkers off. And, so, and I was like, let's record anyway. And, and then everyone was like, no. <laughs> I said you guys weren't welcome to record. I was just half yeah. dead. So I, and then I tried to, uh, tried to let Noah decide, which there was only one correct answer. And, of course, Noah <laughs> picked the wrong one. I was like, so what do you want to do, Noah? And you're like, and I'm like, God damn it. He needs to say, we, don't, we shouldn't record this week, so I'm off the hook when I say I don't want to record. Like okay, well let's record. I was like, God damn it, we're not recording. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we took a week off, but no biggie. You're listening to us now. Just it's oddly weird that you talked about how consistent we were. <laughs> uh, figures. Yeah. What do you do? He also I will say, I respect his decision to buy street trash anyway. Never let anyone tell you not to watch a movie. That's my motto. <laughs> he never said he was going to watch it. He just said he was going to buy it. Yeah. He just wants to put it on his shelf as a conversation starter. People are going to come over and he's like, my favorite podcast told me not to watch this movie, so I bought it. <laughs> you know, the thing is, in the real world, there's so many things you'd have to explain about that sentence. They'd be like, your favorite what? where did you even find this and be like by the time he's done explaining all that to him he's gonna be tired and need to go to bed so he'll never get around to watching it's like it's like an internet radio show what the fuck is radio (laughs) well it's pretty funny because my mom has joined facebook now which you know whatever but just my mom's like one of the like least techie people ever so for her to have facebook is weird the weird thing is she started re- like sharing stuff that I post. <laughs> so she'll be sharing the link to this episode probably to all of her old friends that have no idea what the fuck a podcast is. That's amazing. It's awesome. Hopefully we'll get some, some old lady listeners that are just like, what? Oh my God. If we start getting old lady feedback, this is going to be the best podcast ever. <laughs> I just have this visual of like an old folks home and they're all sitting around the computer and they're like wheelchairs and it's us blared out of them. And they're all like, we should get our kind of, we should get our hands on this street trash. Cause it sounds like the boys are recommending it. Huh? What do you, you say they liked it. That newer fellers, right? There ain't enough teats in this movie. <laughs> now, I do like all those scenarios. <laughs> in fairness to my mom, she is only in her late fifties, so <laughs> I don't know if we're getting yeah, there, but, but it's going to happen. For the purposes of our discussion, we're assuming your mom was in some kind of a horrible accident yes. that had to be institutionalized in a home for the elderly, despite her young age. Okay, so it's I'm, fine. I'm done with that. I'm done with that. And they'd be like, he's going to call up, like, call up the video store, see if they got that street garbage movie they were talking about. That that video store burned down thirty years ago, Bernie. Shut up. Uh, uh, also, Doug, did you end up seeing Justice League, or are you just no, skipping I, on I'm that? Just, yeah, until I oh. until I can see it for free, I don't think I'll be bothering. That's probably a good. It seems, like, it seems like at this point they'd probably just let me go for free, just to have somebody in the theaters watching it. But <laughs> please watch it, please. He wants to know, Noah, uh, what we thought. We obviously did not enjoy the Flash's costume. Do we feel there should have been like an upgrade part of it in the middle of the movie to make his costume look better? 
Uh, I don't know. I, 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 I feel like the Flash, the Flash at this point is such like a garbage version of that character. I don't know what they could do to make it better. Yeah. Like I don't like I don't like the actor. I don't like the Flash's lines in the script. I don't like his personality. I don't like his outfit. I'm yeah. I'm almost okay with the special effect they use for his super speed, but that's that's the extent. Yeah. Well, here you go, Doug. We'll we'll, we'll clue you in. Me and Noah recorded an episode of Geek Nerdery last time. Yes. Talking about Justice League. Did you listen to it? No. Okay, I wouldn't expect that. Um, <laughs> I said that basically they modeled the Flash after the Big Bang Theory. Okay. It was fucking horrible. Now, did he dre- is he the one that dressed up as the Flash in that gif from the Big Bang Theory of them all in the costume? Yes. yes. Okay. Um, but his personality is very... Well, the kids love the Big Bang Theory, but what if you make him sort of like that guy? So, that was fucking horrible. Um, <laughs> one of the few parts of the Flash that we did like, though, is when Superman, spoiler alert, Superman comes back from the dead, which is the worst kept secret for the Justice League. I can't ever. believe they're even pretending that's a secret. Yeah, I know. Um, and he's kind of crazy, right, when he comes back to life. So the Flash like runs to like try to like get behind him to fight him while he's dealing with Batman and Wonder Woman. But they do that thing where everybody's standing still and the Flash is like running. And then as he's running super fast, you see Superman's head turn and look at him. And just this look of fear just goes across Barry Allen's face like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and then realizes Superman's just about as fast as he is. So then Superman, they have like a super... Uh, super speed like battle which is pretty awesome but anything else with the flash is pretty weak in the movie yeah and everybody i've heard that wants to tell me that it's a good movie tells me about the same scene you're telling me about and you're basically saying it's not that great of a movie and And that's one of the few good scenes yeah so that doesn't sound like it's good enough to sit through a movie for (laughs) that is the high point of the flash and it's literally uh (laughs) <laughs> moment like that's <laughs> yeah so so yeah I don't know they've they pretty much fucked up the Flash um, well, they, they pretty much fucked up their whole universe that's what they've yeah. done at this point well, they, they made some correct moves toward correcting Batman but yeah, I don't know I mean it I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying, cause having not seen the movie, I won't comment on whether the Batman character is better, but I'm sure it is. Like, it wouldn't be that hard to make corrections to what they did in Batman versus Superman. Well, new 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 Batman isn't a uh, dangerous, murdering psychopath. Okay, so that's a step in the right direction. <laughs> yes. So wait, you're saying in this version they made Batman into a good guy? Yeah. Well, that's an interesting move. <laughs> right. Good guys in the movie. All right, I guess that's different. Um, yeah, I don't. I that that universe is so fucked. Like, I haven't seen even seen Wonder Woman yet, and I hear it's a good movie, but I'm like, I can't bring myself to watch anything in that universe. Right I'll, now. I'll, I'll tell you what, you should watch Wonder Woman, even if you don't plan on ever watching any of the other ones. Yeah, I would agree with and that. I'll get to it one day. Again, when it 
shows up somewhere where I can see it for free, I will watch it. But I just don't. And it's fascinating because I was super excited for a DC universe to start up. And when mm-hmm. and then and then they're like, We're starting it now and we're starting it with Batman versus Superman and I'm like, No, don't. That's you're already doing it wrong. And then when I went and saw it, I'm just like, I you went wronger than I thought you were gonna go. And then you killed Superman, but you've already announced a Justice League movie's coming out. It's not like anybody believes you're doing a Justice League movie without Superman in it. No one thinks that that's a problem. Like no one thinks that's happening, so yeah, it's just it's oh, fucking idiots. I I feel like they could just uh, put all of the characters' names and and scenarios into a bucket and stir it and just pull out a few and make better movies. Like <laughs> if, if their next movie announcement, they're just pulling out of a bucket and they're like, "Okay, guys, it's gonna be uh, uh the question and and uh uh." uh Rocket 13 going after Black Manta in the jungle. Okay. That's the movie we're making. I'd be like, all right then. <laughs> I just, I, I've, and I've, I've said it before and I'll say it again. They got to give up on the universe. It's not fixable. You can't start that bad and expect it to get good. The best they can do is like make little tweaks and have people going, oh, better than I expected, which is not good enough. So probably the right solution is to just do standalone don't try to build your universe I don't think the average audience member cares that much whether the movies are connected so just just give up at the same time fuck the average movie because <laughs> <laughs> I'm a nerd and I like all my interconnected stuff but wouldn't you rather see good standalone movies where when they screw up oh, if, if... it doesn't ruin everything Listen, if I honestly thought that that was the other option, like, that's what I would vote for. Like, just find whoever's in charge of their, like... I was going to say, but this is WB. When is Disney buying Warner Brothers, anyway? (laughs) When when is that deal coming through, and then they can just make better movies? Oh, hail the mouse. I was getting ready to say, out of all the super corporations, does anybody find it terrifying that I feel like the most powerful one now is Disney? <laughs> I, like well, the guy in, for a long time. If they remade uh, "Who Married an Axe Murderer," the old man character, I would have to be like the Rothschilds, Disney, the Gettys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did forget to mention that the uh, guy that's the voyeur in hardware looks kind of like Fat Bastard from the Austin Powers movie. Sure. He does. He looks like a cross between him and the comic book guy from The Simpsons. <laughs> yeah, you can see that. So you guys are saying he was based on Harvey Weinstein, because that description applies to him as well. <laughs> Pretty much. Oh yeah, that's probably accurate. <sighs> All right. Um, we actually have some other feedback. Uh, apparently, somebody commented on an episode on the website, which threw me for a loop. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is why I didn't notice it for like three weeks. Oh. Uh, so, Chris, not Chris from uh, Toronto, because I double checked the email addresses to make sure. <laughs> says, uh, I'm a big fan of the show. I only listen to two movie podcasts Talk Without Rhythm and You Clowns. Well, one out of two isn't bad. 
Uh, you do a great job with the format. I've listened to all three of you for a long time. It's nice to see how well you are gelling together. Keep it up, and thanks for the entertainment. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, it's nice. Sorry I didn't notice your comment until three weeks after you left it. I like how there's like a little backhanded insult in the middle of the compliments. Just tries <laughs> to sneak it in there. Well played, sir. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Does anybody else watch anything since last we met? Oh, my God. I know. <laughs> Noah said yes, and that we were going to get mad at him for wasting his time. Oh, my so. God. <laughs> all right. Stop giggling and just tell us what you did. Okay. So I'll, I'll start with the ones that weren't bad. <laughs> so You mean the one? I'm guessing you don't have more than one. So I watched Gremlins 2 because Gremlins 2 is awesome. And and then I was trying to watch uh, some of my traditional Christmas movies because we're getting into December and I need to watch like all 20 that I watched. Uh, but apparently n- absolutely none of them are streaming right now anywhere, which is fucking bizarre. So I watched uh, What We Do in the Shadows instead, which was awesome the second time. Choice. Uh, rewatched Nightbreed. I love Nightbreed, so that was awesome. Uh, did, you <laughs> did, I, the, did you get the Cabal cut? No, I, I didn't. That's what is that what you were, was it you that was looking for? Yeah, it? yeah, 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 that it's too expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so then, because Jigsaw came out, I found out that, oh. uh, <laughs> that Netflix oh. had the Saw movies. And so, oh. over the course of two days, I watched the entire Saw franchise from beginning to end in oh. order. Jesus. Yeah. Well, doesn't most of that franchise take place over two days? So you're watching it like in real time. <laughs> it does. Uh, and what I figured out is, so apparently I had never even seen the last one, the saw the final chapter, the one before Jigsaw. I own it, and I still haven't seen it. Oh my god! So, so that's something I need to bring up. Uh, <laughs> so what I figured out is that the first movie, right? Is still amazing. Yes, fair enough. Which is why I bought the entire set on Blu-ray for like twenty bucks. The and and then you kind of have to skip forward because the third movie's actually really really good. Mm-hmm. And the the second movie's just kind of like it's 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 good, but it's not as good as that third one is. Yeah. Then the rest of them, like, there's a step down in quality. But they're all meh, which and I, I can't blame anybody for making a meh movie. That's fine. And, and they stay meh through all <laughs> the rest of the sequels up till Saw the Final Chapter. And then Saw the Final Chapter is fucking terrible. That, it is just fucking bad. I was like, what in the fuck happened because it's all the same actors why are they so much worse yeah (sighs) so I don't like I said I just don't know that one's I I don't understand how they could be so consistent through all of them because you know they weren't like I said they weren't great but they weren't like like I wasn't pissed off that I watched them or anything like that until that one, and then I was like, "Oh, Jesus fucking Christ!" 
And, and then, you know, they all have the ah-ha-ha ending to them. And that one's ah-ha-ha ending. You're like, what? Wait, what the fuck? <laughs> Are you Let's... planning to go see Jigsaw? Uh, I don't know. Or see it whenever it hits Netflix? I'll probably watch it whenever it hits Netflix. Yeah, don't. <sighs> yeah. I'll save you. He, he had a third apprentice, Noah. There, I just say you mean apprentice. you mean a fourth apprentice? I guess a fourth apprentice. Do they do they do they have a third one? No, in the, it's all in the, the final chapter. You find out that oh, yeah. he has a fourth or a third apprentice. Or a, yeah, a third apprentice, Whatever. and and the third apprentice has at least two people working with him. Yeah, see, it's bullshit. Although well, the funny thing is, if they had made a better movie, the person who turns out to be the third apprentice in the the shitty movie. Mm-hmm. Actually, like, makes more fucking sense than <laughs> than the weird random cop that they just fucking add in for no reason. Yeah. Well, in Jigsaw, he the apprentice was around before any of the other apprentices. That's the big twist. Yeah. So fuck that series. Yeah. So I watched all those. And... Oh, no. You wasted <laughs> and, your and... time. You wasted well, your time. You know what, though? Now he knows, and now he isn't going to make us watch them for the podcast. So <laughs> I don't know. I, I, support I, feel, this. I feel like uh, Saw the Final Chapter might be bad enough to be worth a podcast. I don't think you understand how you're supposed to pick movies for this podcast. <laughs> See, you're, you're under the assumption that I want to only do movies that I want to recommend to people, and that's not true. I just like talking about movies, whether they're bad or good. <laughs> I just want to do movies that don't make me want to hurt myself after I watch them. <laughs> oh. Well, then don't watch Saw, the final chapter. <laughs> yeah, that, there wasn't a lot of risk there for me. You probably I, t- I tapped out at like halfway through part four. I remember I was watching it going, I got to watch the end of this because that was back when you actually rented movies and paid to see each one. So I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm going to watch the end of this because I rented it, but I'm not renting five whenever they make that. <laughs> and that was the last I saw of my <laughs> Saw series. I will say, watching them in very quick succession like I watched them, they were slightly better. Because you don't, like, forget all of the little random details from the last movie that the next twist relies on. So you're actually like, oh, okay, that actually makes sense. The first time I watched this, I was like, what? You just made a bunch of shit up. You liar. That's not what happened. This is a movie within a movie. Your, your girlfriend actually okay this and let you live in the house afterwards? She, she was at work. Oh, I was going to say, there's no way she was home. <laughs> she doesn't. She does not watch horror movies at all, so I watch them all when she's not there. <sighs> I don't know. I think you needed someone there to stop you. Maybe she could start coming home at lunch. <laughs> <laughs> Noah, what are you doing? Nothing, nothing. I'm, uh, I'm looking at porn. Nothing, no, nothing, nothing. I'm not. I'm totally not watching the twelfth movie in the witchcraft series. Oh God! <laughs> oh shit! That scares me to ask this. But what'd you watch next? So I watched the tenth movie. <laughs> uh, no. Other than that, I know I watched a bunch of other stuff, but. Most of it's not really important. I did just start watching the uh, Benedict Cumberpatch uh, Sherlock Holmes TV show on the BBC. 
that I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a big fan. Yeah, I actually like it. I'm not a huge uh, Sherlock Holmes fan in general, mm-hmm. just just because I've never understood like partially what the point of the stories are because he's an obnoxious asshole of a character. You are correct, and and there's no mystery in a in a mystery. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> the the entire point of a, a a mystery novel is to unravel what what's going on, so you're like trying to guess what the ending is. And you don't get that with Sherlock Holmes stories because they always leave out all the details that he knows already. <laughs> yeah. Which is bullshit. But the show is actually pretty good. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Uh, what season are you on? Still on the first season. I'm only on like okay. the, uh, the third or fourth episode. They just they just introduced Moriarty. Okay, well, there's only three episodes a season, so... Um, oh, yeah? Yeah, and Moriarty is introduced... At the end of the first season, yeah. Okay, so, so I just I just ended season one then. Okay, say so, the portrayal of Moriarty in the show is one of my favorite things ever. So he's just such a weird character. I I, I, I thought it was weird that they made Moriarty real like uh, like flamboyant. Mm-hmm. Does that does that make sense? He's like yes. really showy. Yes. But it'll make sense. I mean, it's just his his weird personality. But when you uh, have that go up against Sherlock Holmes, almost like uh, I don't, for lack of a better term, like Asperger's esque personality, I think it complements each other really well. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that they decided to replace his uh, cocaine abuse with nicotine patches. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, they didn't dumb that down at all. Well, there's some other stuff coming up. Just just keep watching. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I'm a big fan of the Sherlock series. If anybody hasn't given it a watch. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I, I really enjoyed it, so... Yeah, I think that's uh, it. That's that's all my big my big watches. That's all the stuff he'll admit to watching. And that's what he admits to, so you can only imagine what's left on that list. <laughs> As we're making saw jokes, he's erasing shit. The answer is a four letter word that sounds a lot like porn. Corn? <laughs> Are you watching Hila? <laughs> Zorn, he watched Son of Zorn. Oh That's no! What it is. Actually, there is one more. After after I got done watching uh, uh, Hardware, I was in the mood for more killer AI movies, so I watched uh, the nineteen seventies movie Demon Seed. Oh, I have that on my DVR, but I haven't watched it yet. Man, that holds up. It's fucking awesome. Never seen it before, so I'm excited. Yeah, I'd seen it once a long time ago, and I remember as a kid, I kind of thought it was cheesy. But I think I just didn't fucking get it. Like now rewatching it, I was like, "Oh no, this is fucking really cool." Yeah, because I didn't have enough to watch on top of all the fucking Blu-rays I've been buying lately. So, yeah, <sighs> the endings endings a little weird. But besides that, it's it's a great kind of like. I guess it starts it starts off as a horror movie but kind of just ends up being more of just a sci-fi movie. 
So nice. Uh, you got anything, Doug? A uh, couple things. I watched uh, Jim and Andy, which no one talked That's about. on my list. Yeah, so yeah. and Noah had already seen it, correct? Yeah, yeah. Well, I thought, yeah, I thought it was pretty neat. Um, I don't know how much I thought it was too. amazing. So, yeah, like I, I really, I really enjoyed watching Carrie bounce around between these three characters, and in my mind, he believed he was those three characters at any given time. And I don't know how much of that is performance, and how much of that is him being mentally deranged but i don't care because it was great to watch and he seems to have come out okay from the end of it well Um, if if you listen to him talk i don't think he makes much differentiation between performance and life no i don't think he does and the one thing i was going to say about that is like there's all these memes of him or you know audio clips of him online where people are like isn't he crazy and it's like you know what when he starts talking and you give him time to express himself it comes across as a lot less crazy and it comes across more as like you know what the world's fucked and if this guy found a way to escape it good for him and that's the way i look at it now is i'm just like he sounds like he's just like yeah like jim doesn't exist anymore because he's been and he but he seems to be saying more like it's not that i don't physically exist it's that i've been lost in all these different characters over all these different years and so there isn't really a real version of me left and you're like that's not an unreasonable statement for somebody like him to be making when he's given time to express it fully so i I think for all the people who think he's gone nuts because they're seeing these 30 second clips take the time to listen to what he's actually saying and it's not as crazy as it sounds yeah yeah, I was the same way. One of the things I always loved about Man on the Moon is it gets wrapped up in this idea that Andy himself doesn't know who he is because he's put on so many acts on top of himself. Yeah. Lost who Andy Kaufman really is. And then you see that reflected like in real life with him playing Andy Kaufman that he has completely lost himself. Kaufman on top of the Andy, the Tony Clifton character. And then he talks about when he comes he's like when the movie was done I had to go back to Jim Carrey's life and I was just really depressed and bored that you know now I have Jim Carrey problems I'm not playing somebody else anymore yeah and that I think that probably happens more than people like to admit and there are all these like tragic tales of actors who you know take their own lives or died of drug overdoses or whatever and oftentimes they are the same people who bury themselves in these roles and they do have to adjust back to the real world and you know i mean i guess heath ledger is an example of that i'm just thinking off the top of my head here where there's a guy that buried himself in this insane joker character for a long period of time and then they're like hey back to the normal world just go be a regular human now and i don't think he ever really transitioned back properly and i you know i'm not I don't want to be sound like I know what caused his death or anything. I'm not trying to sound more intelligent than I am, but I, th- I think it's yeah. We ask we ask these we, we admire these people because they can go into this place that most of us can't go and do this crazy thing that most of us can't do, and we never think about the fact that they have to come back from that place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What did you guys think about the Tony Clifton Playboy Mansion oh, prank? That was one of the most ingenious things ever. Yeah. 
I just like that two second thing of Andy Dick, and he goes, "That is not Jim Carrey." And he goes, "If that is Jim Carrey, he's the greatest fucking actor." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just love that they pulled an Andy Kaufman joke like in real life while they were filming this movie but, about Andy Kaufman's life. Because there was a number of those that went on. Like I remember when, like when there was like the talk that Jerry Lawler and Jim. Carry were actually like going to be suing each other and all this, and it's like some of it was like okay, obviously that's showbiz hype and whatever. But I love the idea that they're just like let's revive the spirit of Andy Kaufman for the purposes of this. <laughs> that and I think maybe that's why the movie's so good, and I think it's I think it's great. So. Yeah, I think my favorite moment of the whole thing was when. Uh, the director called Jim Carrey aside and he's talking to him and he's and then Jim, Jim Carrey's telling the story and he's like well do you want me to like stop getting so involved in the character and the director's like no I just had to talk to Jim for a minute and make sure he was still in there but please go back to doing what you were doing like all the shenanigans and everything it's, it's getting us what we need for the movie so yeah uh, yeah it's so good I mean, the fact that whenever he would be doing Tony Clifton, that he would actually, like, come in and destroy the fucking sets and stuff. Oh. Yeah, I just love where there's, like, that slight moment where he slips out of Andy and goes to the Tony Clifton, and you just see all of the people around him go, No, not Tony. Not Tony. Please, not Tony. <laughs> well, you do have to feel bad for, like, all, like, production assistants. Oh, yeah. Been- the prop guys who probably had to go out and like, okay, well, he broke that fucking thing, so go find us another one. And you're like, well, where the hell am I going to get another one of those? Like, whatever thing that got broken, I just got to go find an exact replica so that the next shot will have one in it. What the yeah. fuck? Just, how about not intentionally breaking <laughs> shit so I don't have to go do that? Uh, I, I will say the the very end of it when it's uh, Bob, uh, Bob Zamuda as Tony Clifton and he's singing Man on the Moon from R.E.M. I I would fucking pay a million dollars for an entire album of him just covering songs. (laughs) All all R.E.M. or you want a variety? Just just whatever he wants to do. Any any fucking songs on the planet, just Bob Zamuda as Tony Clifton covering modern-ish songs. You know what I mean? I was kind of surprised that there wasn't like a little Tony Clifton revival after that movie came out. I thought Zamuda would do that. But... Yeah, I just absolutely loved it. I loved sort of the honesty of everything. Like Jim Carrey just being like, yeah, nobody wanted to, or Universal didn't want this footage shown because they would have thought I would have came off as a giant asshole. And it's like, yeah, they probably would have. Yeah, and he kind of does come across as a giant asshole. I see a lot of people interpreting in that way, and it's a perfectly fair interpretation. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I just love watching the whole thing. I'm sure working on that set was ugh, like it would have been fucking horrible, but getting to watch it as an outside perspective, uh, perspective, like it's amazing just to watch yeah. stuff. What did you guys think of the stuff with him interacting with Andy Kaufman's like friends? Oh. And family? That was weird. Right. Yeah. And when he's talking yeah. about like, like when Jim Carrey's telling the story about meeting Andy Kaufman's dad, as Andy Kaufman. He's like, yeah. and he's kind of like goes, it's almost like he's thinking about it for the first time. He's like, 
must have been weird for him, I guess, to show up and I'm acting like his son. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, yeah, that probably was fucked up for him. Maybe you shouldn't have done that to that guy. Yeah, the one where he met Andy Kaufman's daughter. Yeah, who Andy who, Kaufman never met. Who Andy Kaufman never yeah. met. And she, like, it almost seemed like she wanted to do this as, like, closure because she never met her father. So she figured this was, like, the option. Yeah. Oh, like, that's weird. But I am kind of glad that they left that as just, like, a private moment that they... Yeah. Or anything. Yeah, because she doesn't deserve to be exploited. Like, that's... um, And, yeah. That's crazy. I can't... And you gotta wonder, like, for her, like, it's like, okay, if she found closure by talking to Jim Carrey and pretending that's her dad, that Mm. doesn't sound healthy either. Like, that doesn't (laughs) seem like... That doesn't seem like it's proper closure, and maybe she needs to talk to someone else and find a way to get the right kind of closure. I don't know. Again, I'm not a psychological expert. Maybe that's fine. Maybe that works. Maybe we, every one of us who has a problem should just go talk to Jim Carrey. I don't know. <laughs> I'd be okay with that, too. <clears throat> so, yeah, yeah, I thought that, that was a pretty good documentary to watch, if you, especially if you're a fan of... I think if you're a fan of Jim Carrey, you're a fan of Andy Kaufman, or you're a fan of Man on the Moon. And I'm kind of a fan of all three, so... Yes, I agree. Uh, yeah, so there was that. Um, I watched a documentary that pissed me off. <laughs> okay. So do you guys know what the 30 for 30 series is? Yeah. Like a sports documentary series? So I watched the yeah. one on Nature Boy Ric Flair. Oh, see, I haven't watched that one yet. All right, well, don't. So, okay. <laughs> here's the thing. Right. The, re- the reason I watch, like, I don't watch all the stupid WWE documentaries about their own wrestlers because I don't need to. They don't need to market to me a guy that I already liked when I was a kid, right? Sure. But I thought because this is like produced by ESPN Films and it's an independent thing, that we were going to get like a real look at Ric Flair's life outside of wrestling and stuff. Yeah. And I mean, for people who don't know, it's it's been well documented over the years that the the, the Nature Boy took over Ric Flair and at some point he became the character that he was in the ring is the person he was in real life. And, you know, it cost him a couple of marriages and stuff. Um, and you know, he just would be out every night wheeling and dealing, kiss stealing and et cetera, et cetera. Right. <laughs> um, the problem with this documentary is it just became a fluff piece. And it felt like something that was produced by WWF and they just, they let Ric Flair get up there and brag about how he's just, oh, you know, I'm out drinking every night and all this. And it's like, well, address the fact that he has kids at home that are being ignored. Because they do clip to those kids every now and again, and they're talking about how, yeah, we never saw our dad. And then they just gloss over that. No, oh, fuck it. We don't need to talk about that. Let's get back to glorifying this lifestyle that he that he led. Um, and, you know, it, anything negative about him, they just kind of glossed it over and it was really frustrating because there's some very interesting things there and some interesting topics of discussion so they have rick flair on camera talking about how when he retired at like 60 years old he's like i didn't want to stop wrestling i still wanted to go out there and wrestle every day i loved it so much and this and this and this right yeah then they have like one clip of somebody going well actually he was like he really needed the money and he was in a lot of trouble and then they just gloss over that 
like in back to oh clearly he just still wanted to keep wrestling and it's like no let, like, let's talk about that what, what did he really love it or did he really need the money because those are two different things and maybe they both are true that's fine but let's talk about that because if you're gonna allow rick flair the opportunity to sit here and talk to your cameras for an hour about how great his life was of like spending all his money and going out every night and you know then let's talk about the negative consequences of that as well mm-hmm. you know I'm, I'm not saying they shouldn't they shouldn't have told the stories they told i'm just saying don't gloss it all over and don't don't allow it to be just him glorifying this this lifestyle that caused a lot of damage to a lot of people and you know there's there, and it gets into too if you you know like there is this moment where they show okay the retirement from wwf and then they have clips of him like a few years later in tna wrestling or whatever it's called mm-hmm. and he's like he's doing like hardcore stuff and so he would have been like mid 60s <laughs> doing getting like back body dropped on the thumbtacks and stuff yeah. and it's like especially because rick flair is the guy who didn't have the nicest things to say about the hardcore wrestling back in like the attitude era and stuff it's like you know what if you're gonna have that clip in there let's talk about that let's let's play some of those clips of him bad mouthing mm-hmm. hardcore wrestling and now mm-hmm. here he is at 63 or 62 or whatever he is doing it because he didn't bother to put a dollar in the bank in all those years where he was making millions of dollars you know and he didn't it's it's well known he had a lot of tax trouble and it's like well again if you if you if this is a documentary then let's address those issues yeah and you know same thing like they get into i don't know how like how much you guys know about nature boy or whether you even care i know brian you'll be interested uh, but like he had his son who he brought into wrestling and the son ended up dying of like an overdose and they just kind of hint at the fact that rick flair not only helped him get into the wrestling industry but also brought him into that lifestyle that mm-hmm. nature boy lifestyle and I mean, essentially, that is what ended up killing the kid. And I'm, like, the only comment they really get from Flair on it is he's like, "Well, he's 21 years old, and he wanted to come hang out. He wanted to come. What are you gonna do? Say no?" And it's like, "Yeah, you say no." Push, yeah, push back a little bit on that and say, "Well, do you do you now think that maybe you did have a job as both his mentor and his father to say no? not that you know?" And again, maybe that's not something you want to say to a guy's face, but get somebody else in that chair and interview them and ask them, like, do you think maybe in retrospect, not, not, not saying anybody's to blame for anything, but knowing what we know now that maybe some things should have been done differently. And then they just don't do that. And mm-hmm. it's, it was very frustrating to me because I'm watching it and I'm going like, okay, you know, the first half of it, when they're talking about the eighties and flares out every night, and they're interviewing his first wife and she's talking about how he's, you know, had, had his second wife kind of stashed at Greg Valentine's house. And the, they were younger people at the time, and some of those are kind of fun, funny stories when you're telling them 30 years later. Not that I'm condoning that behavior, but just that, you know, it's it's interesting at least. Yeah. But then when you get into this, you get into all these serious topics, and they just they gloss over them, and it's just a, a fluff piece, just a basically a commercial for the Nature Boy. And I was like, that's very frustrating to me. Yeah. Well, I know that the WWE has a relationship with ESPN. Okay. So. They have wrestlers on every once in a while for interviews and stuff. So uh, I'm sure that that was a consideration of, well, 
maybe we shouldn't sour this relationship by, you know, telling the truth and a lot of stuff. That's why usually the independent documentaries are usually a lot better. Yeah, and I just, I don't, I don't know. Because I, I I'm not familiar, I'm really not even familiar with wrestling now at all. I don't, I, sure. it's something I watched, you know, in the 80s and then again in the latter 90s. But it was, to watch this and to sit there and like, I remember some of the moments that they're showing clips of. And I actually do remember Ric Flair's retirement match against Shawn Michaels in an effective theater. It was really fun to watch mm-hmm. and even kind of emotional. But then, if you're telling the true story, you know, explain why he ended up wrestling again a couple of years later in some smaller organization. Is it just because he couldn't bring himself to stop the lifestyle? Is it because he loved the in-ring activity so much? Is it just tax problems? I don't know. And I, yeah, I, I don't. Know. It, it was frustrating to me that they just. I guess I just didn't get what I was looking for. Sure. Um, I can totally understand that. Like, I do like some of the documentaries that WWE does, but I know going in that they're going to be more fluff pieces than what I would probably like. Um, uh, Like, they did one on years ago, like, not too long after they bought it. But (coughs) they did uh, the rise and fall of ECW, where they sort of go over the history of ECW and interview everybody and sort of talk about what happened and why everything sort of fell apart and sort of all that stuff. And it was interesting, but I knew like, okay, well there's obviously more to it because there's people who are not in this documentary who are big time players in ECW, but obviously they're not on good terms with WWE. So of course they're not really talked about. Um, but then there's another documentary called forever hardcore the other side of the story which is everybody who wasn't interviewed by the wwe and them telling their side of like everything and so i knew like having both of those together gave more of a complete story um but yeah wwe likes to sort of fluff up everything and i don't like i don't begrudge them that if i was making a documentary about myself i'd come across pretty good in it too that's why I don't yeah. watch those because I don't really have a particular interest in them, right? Yeah. Uh, but I do think that if you're gonna, if you're an outside organization making a documentary about something, you know, you have to, you have to be honest in what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And it, it's frustrating. And again, again, like documentaries have a responsibility to be truthful and to examine the situation, not to just advertise for the subject of the documentary. Yeah. So I found that frustrating. Yeah, if you want good wrestling documentaries, you should watch Beyond the Mat. Of course, yeah. And uh, the newer Resurrection of Jake the Snake Roberts, which is sort of a somewhat sequel to the Jake the Snake part of the Beyond the Mat. Yeah, I I would almost say... You oh, you almost have an imperative that if you watch Beyond the Mat, you need to watch The Resurrection of Jake the Snake. Yes. I definitely... Because I've seen both of those, I'm a fan of both of those. I think it would be interesting for somebody who, like, I'm just trying to think if there these people still exist, but there must be people who watched wrestling in the 80s and then turned 14 and turned it off and never watched again, right? Mm-hmm. For those guys who would have been, you know, huge Jake Roberts fans back in the day, show them Beyond the Mat and then show them the resurrection of Jake Snake Roberts, and it's 
I bet yeah. you that, that is a huge emotional journey that somebody like that would go on. <laughs> yeah. Cause I, like, I know, but like, I know I find both those documentaries very effective. Um, one is depressing, at least the Jake Roberts part of it is depressing. And the other one yeah. is so uplifting. Like, yeah. It starts off depressing. It keeps no, that depression going. Oh, like the first, first five minutes of uh, Resurrection of Jake the Snake Roberts, I was already crying. Yeah. Like, I felt horrible. Because he's just like out in the garage talking to the camera about like, well, I don't understand why anybody would like me. And just, I fucking hate myself and like all this shit. I'm like, oh my God, that's fucking horrible. But Happy I, ending, which I would good. recommend that documentary, The the Resurrection of Jake Roberts. You don't have to be a wrestling fan. No, you can, no, no. You, can, you can have been fast forwarding through all this trying to get to our, the, the next movie on the list and I would still recommend that to you it's one of the most uplifting things I've ever seen in my life and it's it's pretty amazingly uh, fair and stuff despite the fact that a significant amount of that documentary is a DDP infomercial sure yes yeah, yeah. and that's you do have to kind of just Accept that that there is a, a commercial for DDP yoga just built into there. Mm-hmm. But if you're a podcast listener, you probably hear a lot of commercials for DDP yoga too. I mean, <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, yeah. I mean, the good thing is Diamond Dallas Page seems like a no bullshit kind of person, so he was, I think, very aware of like shit and probably like not a lot of this is going to make you look good at first. So you're just going to have to, to, to trust me and go with it and we're going to do it. But you know, no bullshit. Yeah. Well, it makes me wonder what Jake's up to right now. He's not dead or anything, is he? <laughs> no. Oh, good. I haven't heard, I haven't heard much lately, which he I think was, is a good sign. He was doing really well for a little while and then people stopped talking about him again. So, Either that means he got back on his feet and he decided that now is the time to like retire and disappear <laughs> that now that he's on a good note, or that means he fell off the wagon. Let's, I, just I, go, I, let's go with A. <laughs> let's just assume uh, that's true. <laughs> I do currently watch wrestling, so I do read some some wrestling news sites and they, there's not been any talk for a long time of going on with Jake the Snake, which I take as a good sign. Because it's usually like, oh, Scott Hall got drunk at a hotel again and hit on somebody's wife. Like a lot of that shit comes up. But well, he's probably he's probably just making his run for presidency. He just has to get that <laughs> stuff under his belt first. That's right. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, anything else? Uh, last thing I watched is a movie called Enemy Mine. Oh yeah. So you guys are fans? I'm actually. I've never actually seen it, but it's been on my to-watch list forever. Yeah. I thought I thought I actually suggested that one for an episode. Oh, did I? Did I drop the ball and watch it at the wrong time? It doesn't matter. <laughs> watch it. You can watch it a thousand times. It's an awesome movie. I, yeah, I enjoyed it. I had seen it before, but I think it was 1985 last time I saw it. So I had a couple of visuals in my head, um, and like when the movie started, it starts with like a space battle, and it's not great. I mean, it, it hasn't aged particularly well. It's low budget eighties space battle. Um, and I was like, kind of like, geez, like what am I sitting down to watch here? (laughs) And then it ends up with like the bulk of the movie is one human and 
one alien are trapped on this planet together and it basically becomes a retelling of the defiant ones where okay you're you're stuck here together you're gonna have to learn how to get along and they do and they start to learn each other's languages and it's really effective like the drama in this film really works quite well um if we're going to possibly be doing it as an episode, I won't get into the, the big twist that comes. Um, yeah, I would, I would hold off. I think we should save that for a Dennis Quaid episode. Ooh. Sure. Or a Louis Gossett Jr. episode. Ooh. I, don't know oh, that's, I think that's the episode I suggested. Enemy Mine and uh, uh, Interspace. Okay. Interspace? Interspace. Well, yeah, I'd be up for that. Let's wait a little while since I just watched this. But it's, um, yeah, I mean, if if anybody's interested in this type of film, the makeup effects are fantastic. The drama in the film really works well. Some of the action is a bit cheesy um, and a little bit kid-friendly. Um, but overall i i was i was pretty impressed i was like i didn't know what i was getting myself into it was just netflix said hey maybe you should watch this and i'm like well i do have like 45 movies on my watch list but i should watch this random one that i haven't thought about in 30 years yeah and i would say enemy mine is arguably dennis quaid's best performance ever in a movie because it's yeah I, i fucking love that movie he has some very strong moments and i actually think Louis Gossett Jr. Is, does a really good job of acting through his makeup as well. Yeah. Especially since through much of the movie he doesn't speak English. Um, we get some actually really good moments of them teaching each other the two languages. Um, and I think Dennis Quaid does a good job of then turning around and trying to speak this alien language back to him without coming across as a crazy person because they really did invent some weird language. Um yeah, we'll save maybe the details for a more detailed discussion, but it's it's a recommend. Nice. That, that is about all I watched. I think, yeah, that's all I got. Cool. Um, let's see. We talked about Jim and Andy already. Uh, I watched Death Wish, the old Charles Bronson movie. Okay. For a little something I'm going to do on Geek Nerdery here soon. Um, so does that is, mean is, is that watching the new Death Wish? Ugh. That, that does not deal with watching the new Death Wish because that looks like an abomination. See, I'm not a fan of the original Death Wish. It's been a little while, but I think yeah. I went into it hoping for a much more dramatic take and a, a little bit less of just a revenge action flick, and I was hoping for more of a... Mm. More, more of a discussion on, well, should he or should he not be doing these things? And I found it kind of glossed over that stuff. No, it's it's more of a masturbating Charles Bronson movie. Yeah, sure. and I think maybe if I'd gone into it with a different mindset, I watched it for the first time only like a couple of years ago. Um, mm. and if I'd gone into it with a different mindset, maybe I would have appreciated it more. But Yeah, my plan is... Originally, I was just going to do it as a series of articles on Geek Nerdery, but someone recommended I should do it as a podcast as well, so I might try it, but I'm not 100% sure it's going to work. But um, I want to do something that essentially covers like a franchise and sort of reviews each each movie individually, the franchise as a whole, like how it 
how they all sort of reflect on each other and stuff. And so the first series I picked was Death Wish. So this is the first one. I got to sit down and get some stuff written out and whatever. <laughs> it ends up in such a different place where it starts. I know. that's. I've actually never seen Past Part 2, but I know that... Holy shit. Sort of like the Rambo series where it just kind of goes fucking nuts. Maybe probably even more so than the Rambo series. Trying so to remember, I, think of, I think it's the third one. The third one's where you, like, you turn it on and you're like, wait, what in the fuck are they doing? <laughs> Isn't yes. that one too, though? Like, I think by the end, they he tries to... He doesn't want to use guns to kill people anymore. <laughs> so they kind of back away from that. <laughs> and he's like, the last one came out, he was like, I don't, I want to say he was in his seventies. Well, there's, there's a certain point in that franchise where it's basically, it goes from, uh, Charles Bronson killing criminals because they took something from him. You know what I mean? To Charles Bronson murdering black people in the ghetto because black people are all bad. <laughs> oh, so it does start to make more sense as it moves forward. <laughs> uh, look, he's just really mad that Jeff Goldblum raped his daughter in his cell. Oh, that's right. That was Jeff Goldblum that did that, wasn't it? Yeah. Motherfucking Goldblum. <laughs> and now he's in Jurassic World too. So he's... <laughs> He's coming full. back, baby. Coming back. Happy uh, birthday! It's my birthday. Oh my god! When you did that in a high tone voice, my cat, my cat is sleeping like right next to me on the desk. His head just shot up. Like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> Whose birthday is it? Did I forget to get a card? It's my birthday. He's looking at me like, what the fuck is going on with you? Um, let's see. I followed it up with uh, Mayhem. Lynch movie uh, essentially something gets released in this office building that uh, makes everybody kind of uh, lose their inhibitions oh, if you're in a really violent mood you have no problem just fucking people up and killing them um, came out the same year that the Belco experiment came out because it seems very similar but I feel like Mayhem is a lot more fun than the Belko experiment was. Um, so fun, it's uh, fun and Joe Lynch usually don't go together all that well. <laughs> what? What are you talking about? I feel like his movies are usually more you sitting there going, "Wait, what? Okay, no, what? No, wait." <laughs> what movie was that? I don't know. Several of them. <laughs> well, I'm asking you to give me examples because I have no idea what you're talking about. Hold on. Oh, geez. Now it doesn't even know what he's talking about. So, uh, Glenn from The Walking Dead is the main character in this. Uh, he gets fired like that day, and he's very much set up like somebody threw him under the bus and accused him of something he didn't do. And, of course, the the big wig on the top floor is like the douchiest of douchebags you've ever seen in your entire life. Um, so he's about to get thrown out of the building by security. And of course, the entire building goes into lockdown. SWAT team shows up, won't let anybody leave the building. And so then it becomes him trying to, because uh, there's like a precedent set that people under the influence of this virus, if they kill somebody, 
um, can get acquitted of all murder charges because they were not in control of their functions or whatever. So he decides he's going to go to the top floor and kill this uh, executive because he's a giant douchebag. And so the whole movie is him going floor to floor, video game style, <laughs> fighting bosses and like, you know, trying to get up to the next one. And I just had a lot of fun watching it, even though, according to Noah, Joe Lynch doesn't make fun movies. No, I think I fucked that up. I've gotten confused with someone else. Apparently. <laughs> That's why I was confused. I was like, wrong turn two, not fun? Yeah, because he hasn't made very many movies. And I did like Knights of Badassdom and the, the short film of Venom that he made. Yeah, uh, Knights of Badassdom, he disowns, though, because it got taken away from him after he shot it. I've I've heard that that movie is a massive hack job that, like... <laughs> yes. It is chopped apart and reassembled about a thousand different ways. Yeah. Yeah, essentially the producer that sort of, you know, was the head of everything took the money from or took the the movie from everybody and then edited together his own version of it which is the one that got released and it's not good so like the movie itself is okay but whatever uh mayhem i would highly recommend it i had a great time watching it it's a lot of fun don't listen to noah no like i said i, I think i'm mistaken <laughs> yeah i know um, are you thinking of David Lynch? No, not David Lynch, because I know David Lynch isn't <laughs> uh, um, And then the last one I watched, uh, I picked up the Red Riding trilogy on Blu-ray, uh, which were three made-for British television movies that are somewhat connected. Uh, they're like a crime... Uh, murder suspense type thing. Basically, they're apparently they're based on a series of books. And the timing makes me think after the girl with the dragon tattoo got big, that they somebody swooped these up to try to capitalize on that kind of stuff. Um, I only watched the first one so far. Uh, they each take place in a different year. Uh, the first one is in 1974, and there's been some uh, children that have been missing. And a couple of them that show up murdered. And there's a uh, uh, newspaper reporter played by Andrew Garfield who's kind of trying to figure out, you know, trying to to get the story and then meets one of the... uh, They discover that at some point this may have been happening a lot longer than the police thought. So he meets up with uh, a lady whose daughter went missing like years ago. And, of course, gets way too involved with her. And then a bunch of other shit, like, starts happening. And um, it plays more of, like, a Zodiac-type movie than a real, like, murder suspense-type thing. Uh, He's trying to figure out, like, you know, put all these clues together, see if he can figure out who the killer is. But there's not a lot of... um, like, I have to stop this killer or anything. There's no, like, him trying to save people from getting murdered or whatever. It's a lot more procedural than that. Um, he's still good. It has me interested in the next two parts, which are still somewhat connected. Um, 
So I'm interested to check it out. There's a lot of familiar faces in it. Like I said, Andrew Garfield's in it. Um, somebody I recognize from Ray Donovan, whose name I don't know off the top of my head. And uh, Sean Bean, of course. Of course. How does Sean uh, Bean die in it? Uh, well, do you want me to tell you? Because he no. does. <laughs> of course he does. <laughs> I don't need to know. Oh, poor Sean. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. All right, since we are getting into the middle of December, we decided we needed to watch some killer snowman movies. Although, realistically, there's never a bad time. Movies. Well, it's always the right time of year for killer snowmen. Exactly. So we could have done this in the middle of July. That would have been fine, too. But <laughs> It would have um, been more us, too. <laughs> suited our <laughs> podcast more. Yeah, very true. Um. So next week we're going to give a uh, uh, kind of a Jack Frost double feature, Jack Frost and Jack Frost Two. Funny enough, I've never seen either one of these. I was always just kind of like, eh. There are, there never... are three movies in the Jack Frost franchise if you count the Michael Keaton movie. But we'll <laughs> I was getting ready to say Jack Frost, of course, being where Michael Keaton turns into a snowman and then fucks a chick to death. I think that's, I don't know, it's been a while since I watched any of them. I think that's how it goes, though, yeah. <laughs> but he wins back the, the love of his son, so it's fine. I wonder how many parents rented the wrong one when that happened. Because they came out, like, right one right after the other, didn't they? It, I just wish, because what year was that? Oh, let's find out. I feel like it was about 97. The horror one was 1997. And then the Michael Keaton one was 1998. So there would have still been VHS tapes, which yeah. means it would not have been that hard to just switch the tapes if you were at the <laughs> video store. And God damn it, do I, how much do I wish I had done that now? Because they wouldn't have known. They would have been like holding up the box going, this doesn't seem right. But it says Jack Frost on the screen and it says Jack Frost on the box and they're waiting for Michael Keaton to show up. <laughs> oh my God, that would have been hilarious. <laughs> I forgot we, Shannon Elizabeth was in this. Yeah. We literally just talked about this, Doug. Come on. I mean, Noah. I wasn't paying attention. That's fair. You told me what movie it was in. <laughs> hey, listen, I didn't hear you say Shannon Elizabeth. I heard you say fucking a chick of the character. <laughs> and that I know. <laughs> <laughs> and we've established what Noah's priorities are when watching <laughs> I mean, it might be good, but does it have a chick getting fucked by a carrot? I mean, if not, I'm out. I feel like that's like his review underneath every Pornhub video. <laughs> I feel like I feel like they underutilized the potential of a carrot in this. Scene. <laughs> uh, <laughs> too much dick, not enough carrot. Thumbs down. <laughs> Thumbs down. It's just over and over again. <laughs> I do the same thing on random YouTube videos. <laughs> Too much dick, not enough character. Flash flat earth video. Just a kid, kid trying to use her hula hoop, and I don't know why you got to say that underneath it, but. <laughs> I did. I, I'll tell you guys what. In the last two weeks, I did go down a deep, dark spiral of like oh, I found no. uh, 
a YouTube channel that was devoted to flat earthers. And I like watched every oh, one of their videos and read the comments and just like, I, and it was like this, a train wreck. Like it was, it was, I was so horrified. I couldn't stop. I just kept going and going like for like three and a half solid hours. Every time I try to watch like, or read something about flat earthers. Cause I, I really want to understand how there can be people who believe that. And every time I feel like I'm getting trolled, like halfway through the, I'm like, this is obviously fake. And then I go look for another one, and they start kind of making the same points. And I'm like, maybe I wasn't getting trolled, or am I getting trolled again? Ah, fuck, I give up. No, like, their arguments, their arguments are so stupid that they sound like you're being trolled. Yeah, uh, I don't understand it. Was it Elon Musk like trolled flat earthers on Twitter, asking them if they thought Mars was flat, and to which they're like, no, that's preposterous. Of course, Mars is is round. Yeah, they're like, we've observed that Mars is around. The, the only thing that would make my life complete with regards to this issue would be if the Earth is flat and that guy that wants to set off his own rocket to take off to go find it, he proves the Earth is flat by going over the edge and dies. I'm like, oh, well, good for him, though. Way to, <laughs> way to die fighting for something you believe in, buddy. Way to take one for the team. Yeah, <laughs> That'd be the best thing ever. One of the videos was talking about the fact that all of the pictures of Earth from the moon show the horizon of the moon in the picture. And they were like, which can't be true, because every time we've landed on the moon, it's on the side of the moon facing the Earth, which means the moon should always be or the Earth should always be directly over your head, no matter where you're standing. And it's like, well, that's that's only true if, if the moon's flat. Like the moon would also have to be flat. <laughs> oh my god, I don't... We're in an age of stupidity. Yeah, but it keeps people listening to this podcast. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Good night.